Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, June 15th, 2015. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Halwani, back inside our New York City studio after a very enjoyable, a very memorable four-day stint in beautiful Mexico City, Mexico. Wow, UFC 188 has come and gone, and history was made on Saturday night. Of course, you know by now, Fabricio Verdum. Fabricio Verdum, Vicavallo himself, probably still partying as we speak, almost 48 hours later, is the new UFC undisputed heavyweight champion. And you know, every week when I get to do this show, it is an honor it is, it is such a pleasure. I love doing it. I love putting it together. I love everything about it. But there's something a little more special about a Monday show after witnessing a title change, especially in the UFC on Saturday night, and, and especially in the heavyweight division. There's something a little different. There's something in the air. You feel like you're coming off of history. You feel like there's a changing of the guard. There's so much to discuss, especially in this case. I mean, it really feels a little different, and that's the feeling I have coming into this show. What a moment it was, what a scene it was, and especially because this is a guy who, let's be honest, a lot of us thought, all right, he was going to be a mid-tier heavyweight, hey, great great on the ground, we know about his jiu-jitsu accomplishments, left the UFC after getting knocked out by JDS, whether it was due to a contract issue, which has been discussed in the past, whether it was due to the fact that they didn't think they could use him much. This is a guy who then went to strike force, proceeded to win 9 of 10. His only loss was a bizarre one to Alistair Overeem, um, one that I think in hindsight he probably could have won, maybe didn't have confidence in himself. Of course, he pulled off the upset of all upsets when he defeated Fyodor Emelianenko when he submitted him, his first official loss, Fyodor's. And remember, a lot of people going into that fight were thinking like, well, Verdum is not really the kind of challenge that we want for Fyodor. We wanted to see him fight the heavyweight champion of the UFC. We wanted to see him fight big names. And then, of course, everything changed after the Fyodor win, in my opinion. Goes into the UFC, has turned into an all-around great fighter, not just a jiu-jitsu guy, not just great off his back. And, of course, all the credit goes, in my opinion, to Rafael Cordero of Kings MMA. He now has two UFC champions, two undisputed UFC champions. This is a guy who helped mold the likes of Vanderlei Silva and Shogun Hua. Now he has Rafael Dos Anjos and Fabricio Verdum. Who would have thought they'd ever be UFC champions? And to me, the big story is, you know, is Verdun better than Kane? Well, on Saturday night, he was. But what I took away from that fight was Verdun wanted it more than Kane. Remember last week on this show, Javier Mendez told us he had to fight with Kane Velasquez to get him to come two weeks before the fight. Verdum has spent, what, 80 to 100 days now in Mexico in the last six, seven months prior to the hunt fight, prior to this fight. This is a guy who left his family, who did everything that he needed to do to become the UFC heavyweight champion. He wanted it more than Cain Velasquez. Daniel Cormier told me yesterday, look, 
if that fight was 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 in Vegas, I don't know if Kane beats him. Verdum just wanted it. And of course, altitude played a factor. I mean, when have we ever seen Kane Velasquez huff and puff like that, you know, towards the end of the first round? He was done. Take nothing away from Verdum. He did what he had to do to win that fight. He wanted it more than Kane Velasquez, and now he's the heavyweight champion. I truly believe Kane will hold the belt again. He has a look on his face like he wants to, you know, it's the same look we saw after the JDS fight. I think he will be back. I think he wins one fight. He gets right back in there. That's what we'll discuss on this show and then some. But for right now, Ferdoom is the best heavyweight in the UFC. He wanted it more than everyone else. And there's a case to be made for him being the very best heavyweight of all time. There certainly is. And who'd have thought we'd ever say that just a couple of years ago? All right. What are we talking about on this show? Well, we're talking a lot about UFC 188. Not just that, but Eddie Alvarez's win over Gilbert Melendez, Kelvin Gaslam getting back on track, Henry Cejudo with a big win, a coming out party for Yair Rodriguez, and just Mexico City in general, which really, as Dana White told me, a dream come true for him. He's been talking about Mexico for 14 years, and for a crowd like that to show up, and I wonder how Kane losing affects them. But, you know, they, they were a little boo-happy, but, you know, they, they booed at the right time. And, by the way, they booed the Latino fighters. You know, I thought that was very interesting. Francisco Trevino got booed. He's from Mexico. A knowledgeable crowd, no doubt about it. So this is something that they've been wanting and working towards for a long time, and it really came to fruition on Saturday night in Mexico City. So at around 4 o'clock, we'll take your questions and comments. Hit us up as usual. 3.55, we'll go inside the vault. This one pertaining to the Kimbo Slice versus Ken Shamrock fight happening this Friday. Did you forget about that? Finally. Will we see it? I hope so. I mean, last time something happened just hours before, remember the cut? Uh, hopefully it actually goes down this Friday for Bellator's sake. through all that promotion. At 345, we're going to talk to Lex McMahon and Jeff Aronson, the bosses over at Titan FC. They have some pretty big news pertaining to the future of that organization. We're going to talk to them at 345 via Skype. 325, we're going to talk to Eddie Alvarez. He pretty much talked to no one after his win because of his busted nose and eye. Um, So I want to get his thoughts on the win. A lot of heart shown by Eddie Alvarez after a tough first round. 305, we're going to talk to Joanna Jacek, who is the UFC strawweight champion. She defends her title against Jessica Penne on Saturday in Berlin. That's on Fight Pass. The first ever title fight on Fight Pass. 245, we're going to talk to Leota Machida. He fights Yoel Romero June 27th in Florida. Kind of flying under the radar. 225, we're going to talk to Noad Lahat, who faces Nicholas Backstrom on Saturday in Berlin. Uh, 205, we're going to talk to the newest member of the UFC's strawweight division, Jessica Aguilar. She signed last week. She's fighting Claudia Gadelia on August 1st at UFC 190. 145, we're going to talk to the Bellator president, Scott Coker, and a huge Golden State Warriors fan for a couple reasons. Lifelong, but he's really hoping for them to wrap up the NBA Finals tomorrow for one very big reason. We'll get into that with him. And at 125, we're going to talk to Alistair Overeem. He's in Thailand right now. What's next for him? What's up with JDS hating on him? And uh, is he now closer to a title shot than a couple of days ago since he's the last man to defeat Mr. Fabricio Verdum? But first, before we go to our first guest of the day, who is going to join us via the magic of Skype, I want to, of course, mention that today's show is being brought to you by our good friends over at NOS Energy Drink. Hashtag with this NOS, I will. Uh, follow them on Twitter, at NOS Energy Drink. We appreciate their support. 
and them being a part of the team once again. Great to have them here with us. Nos Energy Drink, check them out and buy it with your money. Let's go to Skype and welcome in Mr. Mark Ramundi, who's there. Crystal clear, Mark Ramundi. Looking great, Mark. So yesterday you hit me up and you said, I have poured over this, poured over the stats, poured over the facts, the figures, the resumes, the rankings, and I have figured out what the UFC will do with the heavyweight division. Because let's be honest, whether or not you're a Kane fan or Verdum fan, I think everyone would agree that Verdum winning the belt on Saturday really opens things up. I mean, there's there's a lot more possibilities right now. Things just got really interesting with the big boys. So give it to me. I want to I hear what you got. I want to hear what you worked on. All right. Well, first, this is not what I think they're going to do, but it's certainly what they could do. When anyone, when anyone tries to do this kind of stuff, like this fantasy, like, you know, like matchmaking stuff, it, I mean, it, it's it, there's no there's no variables involved. I mean, there's no talking to managers and anything. So it's like this is like the ideal situation, but in reality, it's a lot harder than I'm making it out to be. Okay. In what I'm about to say, but uh, I think I think that most people agree that Junior Dos Santos is probably the next in line, or he should be the next in line for Verdum. I mean, there's only I mean, he, the guy has only lost to Cain Velasquez. His resume is better than anyone else. He's coming off a win against Stephen Miocic. Who's a guy that everyone you know is calling for you know a possible title shot in the, in the very near future? I think that Dos Santos is the guy who can very well get the next title shot. Now, as far as where that could be, there's no. It would be great if it was in Brazil. You know, if Verdum Dos Santos took place in uh, Brazil, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. However, there's no Brazilian pay-per-views left on the schedule for this year, so I'm not really sure where they would do it. Possibly in Melbourne. I know they're looking to put a big stadium show in Melbourne, Australia, in November. Heavyweight title would be a nice little headliner for that for that show, for Doom versus Dos Santos. I think that's a great fight. There's also a story behind that fight because for Doom lost to Dos Santos at UFC 90, knocked him out of the UFC. He, Dos Santos is pretty much the guy who who put Verdum out of the UFC, and Verdum will try to avenge that loss. I mean, I think I think that's kind of not a no-brainer, but I think that's pretty pretty obvious. Okay, well, I appreciate the fact that you live in a fantasy world, but I live with the facts. And wow. I, I'm sure wow. I'm sure you watched my interview with JDS on Thursday that we conducted in Mexico City, and he said he's only ready to return around December. Excuse me, December. Ooh, this NOS really got to me there. Um, but but <laughs> now, does does Verdum change things up? Does it expedite? I don't know. I mean, can 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 that really expedite things? But right now, you say Melbourne, and I think a lot of people would say JDS, but I think they're forgetting the fact that this guy is coming off of surgery. So that right. might be the more logical choice. That might be the, the fight that makes the most sense, especially considering the fact that he's coming off a win and he beat Miocic, who's making a lot of noise. But it's just not – I mean, do, do we want to keep Verdum on the sidelines till December? I don't. Well, no. I mean, in an ideal world, absolutely not, of course. But you also don't know what's going on with him. A lot of guys, yeah. uh, you know, they, they – What's so funny? No, I know what you're going to say, and I agree. I think it's funny. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think you have any idea what yes. I'm going to say. What you, what you were going to say was a lot of guys win the belt, and then they take time off to, to heal exactly, up. Exactly what I was going to say. Exactly. You know? What's up with that? I know. It is weird, right? I mean, they, they fight tooth and nail to get the belt, and then they, they go away yeah. for a year. Well, that, well, that's how it goes. I mean, because those title shots are so few and far between that you, you work so hard to get the title shot. You fight as much as you possibly can to build your resume to get that title shot. And then you win the belt. And, and of course, you want to take some time off. You have the belt. You're the champion. So, I mean, I don't. I know that a lot of fans hate that because, you know, fans just, just hate when champions aren't active. And I understand that. But I also understand that fighters want to take – I want. I understand when Robbie Lawler says, I fought sure. you know, four times sure. in the last, you know, 13 months. I want to take time off. 
Okay, so. so let's go back into your fantasy world. Let's say it's going to be JDS <laughs> Verdun because that fight does has. I mean, it's a tremendous story. This is the guy yeah, who knocked yeah. him out, as you said. It's great. Everything about it's great. And all of a sudden, much like Overeem, JDS now very much a player. Like before, he was kind of in that Joseph Benavidez, Chad Mendez, Uriah Faber spot where he lost to the champion twice. It was going to be very hard to get another crack at him. But now things have opened up. So what do you do with Stipe Miocic? Well, well, to, to go back to, to Dos Santos Verdum, maybe if Verdum, uh, if Dos Santos is not going to be ready by December, January, maybe you can. I know we want to see Verdum fight as soon as possible, but maybe you can do that title fight in Brazil because it just makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, it would be it would be almost weird to have Verdum versus Dos Santos somewhere else but Brazil. I think it would be huge in Brazil. They love they love champions, and hey, they're guaranteed to get a champion out of that fight. Um, as far as so, that, so that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping that's what I'm that's what I'm kind of targeting for that I don't know if it'll happen I again this is not an, this is not this is an ideal world this is not reality this is fantasy <laughs> um, it, it is yes, so yes. and then um, after that I was thinking uh, title eliminator uh, Stevie Miocic against Andre Arlovsky in, in a title eliminator mm-hmm. which can be a pay per view co main it can be a you know it could be a fight night main event. You know, there's a lot of things you can do with that. It, it, it's it's a it's a it's a good fight, and then uh, and then, I think the the fight that I like the most that I, that I'm thinking is, Cain Velasquez uh, coming back and fighting Oscar Overeem. Oh wow! Uh, All right. Which could be, I mean, that's that's a fight that could potentially be a pay per view headliner. It could be it could headline, you know, the the Houston uh, pay per view in in uh, in October. That's mm. a bit that's a big one. And then the, the beauty about that is that the winner of that fight could be a number one contender. Overeem Velasquez, sure. that could be a number one contender. Sure. The winner of Arlovski Miocic can be a number one contender. So one of those one of those guys, it could almost be like, you know, who, who's most impressive can get then go on and fight the winner of Verdum Dos Santos. So it's almost like kind of a mini tournament situation yeah. there. So that's that's what that's what I was thinking. I'm sure they'll do something completely different, but that's kind of what I, I formulated yesterday. Okay, but what about if if JDS can't fight? You know, if you want to have Verdum fight in November or so. You bump Miocic up because he's the last guy to lose to JDS. It was a very close fight. He's coming off a very dominant win. Do you go with Miocic or do you go with Arlovsky? By the way, right before I was interviewing, I was about to interview Dana White for Fox Sports Live, which was really cool. I don't know if you saw it, but it was really cool getting to do it cage side was was a real thrill for me personally. Anyway, Arlovsky, who has been very, I don't know, nonchalant about the whole thing, Kind of, yeah. kind of disappointing to be honest. Like Miocic has really gone out of his way. Credit to him, he's really gone out of his way to try to campaign for this title shot. He's actually going to be mm-hmm. one of the guest fighters in Berlin, so more cameras will be on him this week. He'll have more opportunities to state his case. But Arlovsky, man, was eyeing Dana White down, like eyeing him down, like really, like, 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 like burning a hole through his head, essentially saying, "Give me the rock." I, I, I'm next. So what do you do? Do you go with Miocic or do you go with the hot hand and, and the guy who has all this you know, nostalgia and good feelings around him, Ar- Arlovsky, for that next shot? As much as Stipe has done, I think that Arlovsky would be a more logical answer because, first of all, there's, there's still a little bit of a story there. Arlovsky has a win over Verdum. It was a long time ago, but they fought before. Um, Arlovsky's coming off that incredible first round against Travis Brown. Exciting, one of the best first rounds. And there's still that name value that Arlovsky has. He's still a name that resonates with somewhat of the casual fan base. Miocic doesn't quite have that. Arlovsky has been more exciting. He has that. I think that's the fight that you do. If JDS is not able to make 
you know, a fall date or whenever Verdum is ready to come back to, to fight again, I think that Arlovsky would probably be the second guy. And Miocic, of course, you know, he's, o- he's only one and one in his last two fights. Yeah. He had the loss to Dos Santos. Yeah. He destroyed Mark Hunt, which, is, which was phenomenal, which was very impressive. But Arlovsky, I think, you know, I, I hate to use the word deserve because really deserve doesn't exist in MMA. It's whoever is going to sell the most tickets and whoever's going to sell the most pay-per-views, get the best ratings. And I think that guy after JDS is Andre Arlovsky. And how dare you talk about the heavyweight title picture without mentioning the Grim Reaper himself, Big Ben Rothwell. I mean, this is a guy who is striking fear in everyone. Um, Still not quite there yet, but just showing how interesting this division has become. And let's not forget about Josh Barnett coming back sooner yep. rather than later. That's, uh, that's a nice little jolt as well. Let's give Verdum... The heavyweight division is more interesting now than it has been in, in years. I mean, it's, 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 there's it's, so many guys coming off wins. Yes, and, and it's more interesting than the light heavyweight division. When's the last time we, we said oh, that, that right? Five, okay, let's give Verdum his due. Where yes. do you sit in that discussion whether or not he's the greatest of all time? He is the only man to have now submitted Kane, Fyodor. He did it also to Big Nog. I mean, it's a pretty impressive resume. There's no doubt that uh, he's in the conversation now, whereas I don't think you could put him even in the conversation uh, until Saturday night. Right. But I don't think you can say he's the greatest of all time because if you look at it this way, uh, you know he's never been the best heavyweight in the world during any period of time except for right now, uh, except for Saturday. He's never been the best heavyweight in the world, whereas those guys have long... I mean, Fedor was... Uh, the, he- the best heavyweight in the world for like 10 years. Right. You know, Cain Velasquez was the, was, le- was the best heavyweight in the world probably for the last, you know, three, four, five years. Verdum has been the best heavyweight in the world for like three days. So you can't really say that he's the greatest of all time, but he can certainly become that if he beats Dos Santos, if he beats Arlovsky, if he avenges losses, if he beats, you know, Overeem, who, he- who he's lost to. I think he can be that, but he's not, he's not quite there yet. But yes, he's absolutely 100% in the conversation now. Are you disappointed in Cain Velasquez? Because, you know, when you have Javier Mendez say that he had to fight with this guy to get him to come to Mexico two weeks in advance, and you have Verdum, on the other hand, who's now spent, you know, 80 to 100 days between 180 and 188. I mean, to me, mm-hmm. Verdum fought the perfect fight. He, he, yep. he dismantled him. He beat him up. He submitted him. But he did more to win that fight. And, and we've heard this from fighters before. It's not just what you do in the cage. It's leading up to that point. And, and, and to me, Cain Velasquez didn't do enough. He looked to be in great shape, yep. but he was doing that in San Jose. And I'm kind of disappointed. You know, like this was for the heavyweight title in Mexico. Who knows how this affects that market now, you know, with, the, with, with their guy losing. What do you make of that? Well, well here, here's the great irony, Ariel, is that there's probably no place in the world where Cain Velasquez is more popular than yeah. Mexico City. And there's also probably no place in the world where Cain Velasquez is a worse fighter. Yeah. Because the, the biggest part of his game, his greatest strength, I think anyone would agree, there's no doubt he's a, he's a good striker. There's no doubt he's a great wrestler. But cardio is his greatest strength. The, his ability to push a relentless pace, a pace that no other heavyweight can possibly push, is, is what has made Cain Velasquez into one of the best heavyweights of all time. He could not do that in Mexico City. He just couldn't do it. Like you said, he didn't go there early enough. He was only there for two weeks. He was there for two weeks, then he came back for a couple of days to do promotion, uh, uh, you know, for, for you know, Fox Sports, and he, he met with the media last week in L.A. You know, I, I mean, I hate to say that he wasn't serious because I know that he's very serious, and I know that he wants, I, I know that he wants to be the best heavyweight of all time. I know, I know that. You know, you can't take anything away from his desire, but I think he may have underestimated how, how big of a deal the altitude was, and Verdum didn't. Verdum could not have been more professional, man. Like, 
before UFC 180, he went, you know, two months before, he stayed in Mexico in, in like, squalor. And then when Velasquez dropped out of the fight, Verdum completely took the mantle of that card and promoted the hell out of it in Spanish in Mexico to the point where you, you were there. Yeah. The Mexican fans and adored him at UFC 180 <laughs> in November. They adored him. He, you know, he was... He was uh, he did an incredible job promoting that card in Mexico by himself uh, when when Velasquez was out. Then you know he 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 did it again. He came back. He was he was in he was in Mexico. He was in Toluca, which is ten thousand you know feet up uh, for forty days for you know for more than a month. And he just did all the right things. I mean, he could not have been more professional. He he promoted the fight uh, great. He even he even you know talked a little bit of crap you know last week great. and and made and, and and got the fight even more interest. You can't say enough about the guy. He's improved his game immensely. He's a he's a professional, one hundred percent. I mean, I, I don't know what else you can say about the guy, but you know, he he. You can't take anything away from him. You know, despite the altitude, whatever. You can't take anything away from Fabrizio Verdum. Not one bit. I echo everything you said, and in fact, now that he has started to speak English, we're really getting to learn that this is a this is a guy with a great personality. He's fun. I mean, yep. at the press conference, he's kind of poking Dana White. He's making jokes. He's a lot of fun to be around. He's almost the antithesis yep. of Kane in that regard. So it's going to be fun to see how far he can take this. And, and you know, let's not forget, he's pushing 40 as well. You know, he's, he's yes. no spring chicken. By the way, I spoke to Daniel Cormier yesterday, and he told me he never wants Kane to ever fight again in Mexico City. And he said, look at that yep. takedown. We never do those takedowns. He never goes for a double leg. They always go for a single leg. He was done at that point, and he, he tapped rather quickly. He wants nothing to do with Mexico as far as Kane is concerned. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that incredible? This is, this is the fight that, that Kane Velasquez dreamed about. He's always said from when he first started in the UFC that his dream was to fight in Mexico City. This is his market. This is the market that the UFC needs him to carry, and he is least effective in Mexico City. That is that is an incredible irony, and, and I feel I feel almost bad for him that that's the case because he's just not going to be himself in Mexico City. I don't know if it'll it'll I'm sure it'll help if he goes early and if he gets acclimated to it better than he did. But again, like that that cardio that he pushes, he's a big man, and and if you look at the Dos Santos fight, the first round was was very similar in the Dos Santos fight to the Verdum fight. So Santos got a few, got a few licks in, got a few, got a few good shots in, hurt him a little bit, but Velasquez kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, and, and made the fight, you know, in a phone booth, and, and then he couldn't do that in Mexico City. He just couldn't do it, you know. It just couldn't push that rel- relentless pace that he has, and and that was and that and that was it. And again, take nothing away from Fabrizio Verdun because he did everything perfectly. Two questions on the co-main event: A, do you think the right guy won? And B, I want to ask you about this. I briefly spoke to Gilbert after the fight in the hotel. And, you know, he was obviously very disappointed. But one thing that really stayed with me was, he's like, you know what, Ariel? For, for the last 10 years or so, I've been a top 10 fighter. And I'm not going to be considered a top 10 fighter anymore. And I was like, are you crazy? You're a top 10 fighter. He's like, no, I'm going to fall out of the top 10. Like, first of all, don't listen to those rankings. And, you know, I think he was four going into it. You'll probably go to five or six. So tell me this. Do you think the right guy won? And do you still consider Gilbert Melendez a top 10 fighter? I think I had Alvarez winning the fight. I have to go back and look at it again because it was a very, very close fight. You know, the first round, obviously, clearly Melendez, he, he, broke, uh, he broke Alvarez's orbital. He broke his nose. Looked like he was going to cruise from there. And then that, and that, damn, that damn elevation got him. Yeah. You know, that damn elevation got him. And it was clear that, uh, that he just wasn't himself in the second and third rounds. And Alvarez, man, that dude is tough. I, I mean, that, not only was he dealing with the elevation, but, you know, he had one eye. He had one <laughs> eye and a broken nose. I mean, and he still came back and he and you know he won the fight. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people think that Melendez won the fight. Doesn't matter. It was it was a close fight. 
And, and there's no way that Gilbert Melendez is not a top 10 fighter. Come on. I saw some people uh, online on Saturday night, you know, criticizing Melendez. Listen, Melendez has three losses in the UFC. It, one, was, one was Saturday night. The other two was Benson Henderson, which I think he won that fight, sure. honestly. I think, he been, I think he should have been the UFC lightweight champion at that point, okay? Um, his other loss is Anthony Pettis. Come on. There's no way that Gilbert Melendez, I think he's still a top five lightweight, in my, in my opinion. I think that's silly for people to say. And... People were criticizing uh, the fight. You know, I, listen, it wasn't it wasn't the barn burner that we all thought it was going to be. But considering what happened, it had an incredible story. You know, Melendez rocked Alvarez in the, in the in the first round. Alvarez came back, gutted it out with one eye, won the fight. I mean, how how, t- how tough is that guy? I mean, it's an incredible story. And you can't you can't. How do you criticize Eddie Alvarez? You know, he 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 did what he had to do to win the fight after getting badly hurt in the first round. So. Yeah, Eddie Alvarez is not a lay and pray guy. That's not his style. I mean, look at his fights with Michael Chandler. Those fights were some of the best of all time. So to, to sit here and criticize Eddie Alvarez, which I saw some people doing on Saturday night, come on. I mean, the dude did what he had to do to win with one eye. Give, give him a break. Jeez. And by the way, kudos to Joe Rogan, who was the first, in my opinion, to notice that the reason Eddie Alvarez's eye blew up was because he blew his nose, yeah. which is kind of, you know, a one-on-one type of thing, like something you learn very early in your career. But Rogan was all over that. So kudos to him. We have uh, run out of time, but I want two yes or no answers here. All right. Kelvin Gaslam, will his next fight be at 185? I hope so. Well, yeah, that's not a yes that's or not no. That's not a yes or no. Uh, you, what, you, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say yes. Yes. I'm gonna say yes. Uh, he has a nutritionist now. Dana White was not aware of that on Saturday at the press conference when he was telling him to get a nutritionist. So Kelvin has a nutritionist now. He fights again in November. Plenty of time to lose to lose enough weight for so it could be a safe cut to 170. Yes, so his next fight will be at welterweight. Okay, first of all, you didn't listen to my question. I said, "Will his next fight be at middleweight 185?" I said, and you said, "I hope so." Okay. So you screwed it all up. Are you saying 170 or 185? His, his next fight's going to be at 170. So you didn't listen to my stop, question. Stop trying to confuse me, Helwan. It was a very simple question. Okay, second one, last one. Okay. Will All Kimbo right. Slice fight Ken Shamrock on Friday? <laughs> no. No? No. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely not. Oh, my gosh. No, they'll fight. I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen. It could be but will they fight? That's wreck. all I want to know. They'll fight. I'll be watching. It'll be a train wreck. Could you imagine if uh, the NBA Finals goes to Game 7? their ratings will suffer immensely. Because I think be this good. could be their highest rate of one if done correctly, but uh, we'll see what happens Tuesday in Cleveland. For now, we say goodbye. Thank you very much for the time, Mark. Great stuff as always. Thanks, man. All right, there he is, Mark Ramundi of MMAfighting.com. Great stuff from him. And now, speaking of the heavyweight division, a man who, in my opinion, must have a massive smile on his face this morning. It's, it's this morning where he is. He is in uh, Thailand right now, so it's actually 12.25 a.m. Tuesday morning over there. Things have changed for this man. I can't wait to talk to him about it all. I am talking to our old friend, Alistair Overeem. Alistair, are you there? Alistair Dream over him. I'm here, uh, my well, friend. Wow. You know, I had to stop short at selling my firstborn son to try to get you back on this show. Where's the love for your old friends? Where, where have you been? Uh, you would never do that. Now, um, yeah, I've been flying around, traveling around, doing appearances here, doing appearances there. I uh, attended the UFC um, Adelaide event. I attended the Filipino UFC event, which was huge. Um, did some television, did some seminars. Flying around, training, of course, too, always staying in shape. And, yeah, but here I am. You got me. Well, I appreciate it. When's the last time you were in the United States, by the way? I feel like you've been gone for a very long time. 
Uh, um, I had a fight, and then I stayed a couple of weeks, and then I went to Holland first, see my daughter, family there. Um, and then from there, I went to uh, to Philippines and Australia and the whole. It, it's been a big trip. It's been two months now that I, that I got been home. But, um, yeah, Thailand is very pleasant. And my reception in Australia, the, 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 the crew there uh, also had a, um, took great care of me. So I'm, uh, I'm good. And before we proceed, I must wish you a belated happy birthday, May 17th. You are now, how old are you? 35. Yes, there it is. Goodbye, 34. <laughs> Hello, 35. Yeah, but I'm still going strong. Well, happy birthday. I hope, it, was it a memorable one? But anyway, listen, you're not, you're, listen, you're not calling me to congratulate me for my birthday, so let's just get right to the oh, point. Okay. Mario. Yes, let's get right to the point. Let's talk about some heavyweights. Okay, let's talk about some heavyweights. What was your reaction, Alistair, when you saw your old foe, Fabricio Verdun, become the heavyweight champion of the UFC? You, my friend, are the last man to beat this man. That was back in Strike Force. It, it feels like it was many moons ago, but that's a fact. What was your reaction what were you thinking when you saw that on Saturday? Well, first of all, big kudos to Verdum. I mean, um, he's made a great development as a MMA fighter. Um, you know, he's, he's always been tricky. He's always been uh, persistent, you know, and his about and his jiu-jitsu skills. But now he truly is a stand-up warrior, and, he, and he's an all-round MMA master. I mean, he's, 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 he's shown great stuff, and... Um, yeah, the heavyweight division is entirely open now. Um, I thought Verdum had an excellent performance, but I also added that that I thought that Kane did not have a good performance. And um, usually cardio is his Kane's weapon. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it looked like he the high altitude was bothering him. Mm. I mean, he, I, I'd never seen Kane. And, of course, the ring loss he didn't fight in two years. So and it was a little bit uh, something that you could expect um you know, uh, Verdun coming off of a, a, a winning streak. Uh, you know, he's fighting every couple of months. Uh, King did not fight in two years. And uh, I don't think it's a really clever thing to uh, to not understand the high altitude thing. Um, I mean, wrestlers in the U.S., they know about that stuff. So maybe they underestimated that. I don't know. So do you think that was more about what Kane didn't do? You know, he didn't get there early. He was gone for so long, as opposed to what Verdun did do? Well, I think it's also, if you haven't fought for two years and, 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 you know, as a champion, as a heavyweight champion, as Kane was, there's a tremendous amount of pressure on you. And um, especially, you know, the last fight didn't happen, and then now it had to happen. And I think that was a factor, too, on it. So what does this mean for Alistair? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, I mean, it's two years not being in the hospital, not being, dealing with the media, not dealing with the fans. I mean, you're a champion. But you're not. You need to get in there, and uh, this is um, as one of my old coaches said. You need to fight as much as possible because that's where you grow and that's how you uh, maintain sharpness. So and that's what he didn't do. And by the way, this is why I have said for some time now that if you don't have a fight booked within 365 days or fight, of course, within that time period. You should be stripped. You can't, you can't sit on the sidelines for two years and still be considered the champion. You can get an immediate shot when you return. But I kind of consider Verdum the champion going into that fight. Am I crazy? Well, you know, these are decisions that, uh, that don't lie with, uh, with me. I mean, um, you know, obviously there's, there's very clever minds 
that go through all options and they're, they're debating and they're thinking and, uh, and that's why they gave the Verdun the Indian title and uh, that was a little bit what was on the line for Kane. If he did not fight, he would not be he would be stripped. That's what I understood from the from the thing and that's also big pressure in your preparation and in your everyday, you know, facing the media. So, you know, all the pressure was on Kane. So now, and then he uh, he uh, he makes the mistake of flying into. This is what I read. Of course, I have not been there, so I can't uh, say for sure. But you read that he flew into Mexico City two weeks in advance. I can tell you, Mexico City is a high altitude in Albuquerque. In Albuquerque, takes three weeks. So, yeah, it's it's all in all, it's it's just been uh, not too clever. Before I get to what this means for you, one last question on Verdum, the fighter. When you watch him fight now, when you watch him on Saturday and his last few fights, is this a different fighter, in your opinion, than, than the one that you fought in Dallas not that long ago? I mean, you fought him in 2011. It is four years ago, almost exactly four years ago. Um, do you feel like he's, he's evolved that much, or is he still the same guy, in your opinion? No, 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 he's the same guy, but he's definitely evolved. Um, I've evolved too. Yep. And, uh, you know, coming to your next question, do you still think you can beat him? Yes, I do think I can beat him. I've been following his, his progress uh, throughout the years. And, um, yeah, I can say I'm, I'm very hungry to fight him. And um, I definitely do see weaknesses with him. He's a great, uh, great athlete. He's doing great at the moment, but he has weaknesses. And um, I, I feel that I'm the guy that can expose those. What kind of weaknesses do you see right now? I'm not going to tell you because then it might not work in a fight. Okay. But you see something. Yeah, right? You see a few things. Fair to say? Yeah, I, I see. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I see, I see several things. So are you going to campaign now for a shot at Verdum? Do you think because you are the last man to beat him, you have this history, you fought twice, that the UFC should book Alistair Overeem versus Fabrizio Verdum next? Well, it's not my decision. But um, if that phone would ring, would you like to fight Verdum next? I would scream yes. Of course. And I would go into, well, I'm already basically in shape, but I would step it up a couple of notches and, um, yeah, definitely say yes. Well, I think it would be weird if you said no, but do you think that that's the fight that makes most sense? Let's play matchmaker for a second. Because you have these, these chips on your side of the table, because you are the last man to beat him, should they go with you next? Let's convince the world here. Well, it's like this. Uh, I'm not the UFC. I'm not a matchmaker. Uh, I'm the last guy who beat uh, Verdun, and I'm going to leave it up to the UFC to decide uh, what they want to do next. But uh, if the phone rings, I will be available. And, um, yeah, that's that. Let me ask you this. Of course, uh, there has been this talk for quite some time now between you and uh, JDS, Junior Dos Santos, who you were supposed to fight a few years ago. It didn't happen, and, and, and recently that talk has ramped up. If they offer you Verdun or JDS next, which do you want? That is a very good question and a hard question to answer. Okay. Uh, JDS is a fight that has been, yeah, was supposed to already happen a couple of times. Um, but I would have to say I would go for Verdun. You know, he's holding the strap. That's, you know, the last mountain for me to climb. The last belt that I need to, uh, to get, so I would definitely go for Verdun. No okay. questions asked. I'm not sure if you know this, but I ran into your old friend, JDS, Thursday in Mexico, and I spoke to him for an interview. He had a very interesting reaction when I brought up your name. I want to play you a quick clip and get your reaction to it, okay? 
Are you there? Everyone wants to see all you right, fight Overeem. Do you think that they'll keep him that long to fight you? I mean, that's the fight we all want to see. <clears throat> Why? Because I, you guys were supposed to fight for so long. Yeah. You don't want to see it? No, actually, I, I, I'm going to fight anyone the UFC uh, uh, tell me, tells me to fight. But this guy, I don't know you guys give credit for him. Because he's a talker, you know, he likes to talk. He knew I was hurt yeah. with my injury. He knew I couldn't fight and start to say a lot of things. Why? Because he wants to appear, you know. So it's hard, you know. I don't know people give credit for this guy, you know, because he doesn't deserve. I think right now we have uh, so many other fights like Andre Arlovski or some, uh, you know. But of course it would be great to face him, you know, because he's very dangerous. He's a He's a tough fighter, and I, th I think it would, would be an interesting fight for the fans. Yeah. But I don't like the way he tried to promote himself. Alistair, you still there? I'm here. What did you make of that? Of, uh, what is that? Words. Yeah. A lot of positive words. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, to be honest, I didn't know he was injured. Um, I don't really see any point in injury, but in, in challenging somebody who is injured. Uh, yeah, and other than that, um, you know, again, I'm open to fight him. I also think he's open to fight me. I don't think JDS is uh, afraid of anybody. I mean, he's a tremendous athlete. He's fought many badasses beside me. But, you know, if we're going to be honest, Ariel. Yes. You there? I'm if we're honest, in that interview that you just, in that clip, you just, uh, let me listen to me. Uh, it doesn't really, I mean, he's mentioning Arlovski, he's mentioning somebody else. He's not mentioning me. Why would he not mention me? I don't know. I don't know. It's a big mystery. Well, I thought his reaction, I mean, this is a, a, a pretty fun-loving guy. He got really fired up when I brought up your name. Like, why are you even, why do you media people keep bringing him up? Like, like, yes, he's interested, and I don't think he would turn it down, but he was almost baffled by the suggestion, and he doesn't understand why we all want to see this fight so much. Did you get that as well? He got really, I don't know if you could tell watching the clip, but he got really, he got really agitated when I brought it up. No, I didn't really get that from him because he was still smiling and he was still being charming. Mm -hmm. Oh, he is charming. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, it's UFC, everybody should fight each other. I mean, there shouldn't be any... Yes or no's or hit. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand because he's he's fought tough guy. He's been in wars. I mean, he's, he. I mean, you look at the the, the steeper fight. You look at the two came fights, the three came fights actually. One was easy, but two were very hard. Him. I mean, he's not a guy who, um, you know, he's a tough guy. So I, I I don't get it. I don't get it. But yeah. But let's clear the air right now. When you said you wanted to fight him, he's he's claiming that you're saying this all of a sudden because you know he's out. You know he's injured. You know he has to sit on the sidelines. You're claiming you didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. I didn't. How, how can I know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, so now that you found out that he will only probably be ready to return in December, have you changed your mind as to... I mean, obviously the Verdum thing is, is, is what everyone wants, and I don't blame you for wanting that, but let's just say they don't go in that direction. Are you not willing to wait until December to fight again? Because that would be quite the layoff for you. Well, it, it it will be. I rather fight before. Yeah. Um, and I was, the, uh, to be honest, uh, hoping to fight uh, in already in August, beginning oh. or end of August. Oh wow. Uh, but yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I wanted to stay active, but it is what it is. And uh, we're just going to, you know, again, I'm not the UFC, I'm not the matchmaker. You know, I'm just going to wait till, yeah, they come up with something and then um, we're going to go full steam ahead. So you want to, but you want to fight sooner rather than later, like August, even now that we're in mid-June, you're ready to go. Well, now it's mid-June, so August I think is a little premature. Okay. But um, you know, because again, we're 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 going on stuff. You know, okay, my position is I want to fight ASAP. You know, I'm in shape. I'm ready. I'm not injured. I can't fight. So silent. Silence. Well, you said so. I thought you were going to say. By the way, how many fights do you have left on your contract? <laughs> that is none of your business. Why? I'm not asking you for your credit card information. Damn it! I didn't ask you. I didn't ask for and your. You action. have. You sir have no manners. What? <laughs> I'm like. I'm like. What am I like? A salmon? What was it? A trout? What was it? A tuna? And you have no manners at all. What? I'm baffled every time. Again. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? This is a common question asked in, in sports. No, you don't do that. You don't do that. Come on. But anyways, is there anything else I can help you with on this? Because you remember, it's, it's, it's uh, a.m. for me. It's sure. uh, past midnight. Sure, sure. Almost 1 a.m. I appreciate it very much. Okay, I have just a couple more questions. I just want to know, are you going to stay in Thailand? Is your, is your next camp going to be in Thailand? No, 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 no. I'll probably fly... To U.S. within, I think, within two weeks, three weeks. And then, um, it de- you know, it basically depends on my next fight because, obviously, I, I always finish up in, uh, in Albuquerque. I'm always training. I'm always training, uh, staying in shape. But it depends on the next fight. I mean, I, I might go to Albuquerque just a couple of weeks to hang out and, and train with the guys. But it depends. It all depends on the next fight. When is that going to be? I mean, is it going to be uh, September? Is it going to be November? Uh, until that time, we're cruising. You know, staying in shape, uh, learning new stuff, developing, because you know it's 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 a sport of always uh, change and always getting better. So that's what we're doing. Have you had a chance to talk to your your friend John Jones? Do you know how he's doing? Um, a couple of texts here and there, briefly. Uh, positive. He's in the gym. He's helping his teammates um, in good spirits. Um, yeah, that's it. And I would imagine traveling with you across the world is like traveling with, you know, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo or John Lennon or Michael Jordan. I mean, a legend of all legends. Do you got a good story for us from uh, Manila or Australia? Like something that the people didn't see, something like, wow, this was amazing. I can't believe I got to experience that. You got anything for me? I want to live vicariously through you. Well, I'm not good at storytelling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but... um you know, the, the thing with me also is, like, I have so many stories. Oh. And it's like, it's like let's say I'm sitting at a, uh, at a birthday with some old friends, and they are telling the stories of all the stuff that I've been through. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was there, too. Because I, I, you know, I don't remember them, and I, I, I'm very bad at telling stories. I can't, I can't create the same emotion of how it happened, so I'm, I'm not going to do that. Okay, fair enough. Well, will we see the ream again? Where, where's that? Where's that I gone? What's that? The Ream, the documentary series. Are they following you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not at the moment, but we're going to... Um, season 4 is about to start in... Actually, with the next fight. Oh, that's great. That's great news. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, slow down a little bit. 
Yeah, we slow, we slow down a little bit because um, um, I wanted to be back a little bit in a winning column, and because you know, it was a loss against Rafa. That was the last one, and it actually sucks when you lose. Sure. So I was a little bit like, okay, let me get back in the winning column, and then we're going to restart again. So it's been the winning column after Stephen Stewart and Roy Nelson. So I think now it's, it's time again. We can start it up again. All right. Well. Uh... Order has been restored in the heavyweight division because Alistair Overeem is back on track and because you're back on your favorite show. We missed you. I just want to let you know that, and I appreciate greatly the fact that you have come on. If you on. really missed me, you would have congratulated me May 17 and not begin five weeks late. What do you mean? Yeah. I have the proof that I, that, I, uh, that I wished you a happy birthday. In fact, I called... me? Well, I didn't want to bother you. But you tweeted me. I sent you a DM. Oh, you know I'm going to go back and check that. Absolutely. In fact, I have been trying to get you on this show for months, and uh, thankfully your uh, very nice and talented uh, assistant or manager uh, helped me out. So I, I want to thank Iris personally on this show. She has been a pleasure to deal with. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, I wish you sweet dreams. Are you going to dream of a title shot tonight, Alistair? That actually would be a good dream. You should. You should. I want to see it. I want to see Verdum Overeem 3. That, that, that would be an excellent dream. All right. Well, good luck getting it. What's that? Say it again. I'm going to say good night to that, Ariel. Okay. Uh, good night to you, Alistair. Thank you again. Uh, truthfully, I, I appreciate it greatly, and I, I hope to see you and speak to you very soon. Ariel, thanks for having me. And um, uh, next time, a little bit more. Cordial time, please, because this uh, a.m. after midnight stuff, uh, yeah. You're okay. going to get a little bit more cranky Alice on the phone. <laughs> you know what? I don't mind cranky Alistair, to be honest with you, but I, I, I have noted that, and I'll never do it again. Yeah. Okay. okay, man. Have a good day. Take care. There he is, Alistair Overeem, one of the top heavyweights in the UFC right now. He is, uh, he is campaigning. He certainly has a case. He certainly has a case. Not sure what they're going to do, but they certainly have a lot of options these days, right? A lot more interesting ones than if Kane, and, and I guess that's, that's parody, and that's good sometimes. All right, let us move along. Bellator is back. Bellator 138. It's this Friday, June 19th, Scott Trade Center in St. Louis, Missouri, a market that has been good to uh, that organization, but also been good to our guests at this time. He is the president of Bellator MMA. He is a man who I would imagine is, well, I know he's a big Golden State Warriors fan, but he is, he is probably going to root harder than ever for a conclusion of the NBA Finals on Tuesday because that means he doesn't have to go up against Game 7 of the NBA Finals on Friday as Kimbo Slice faces Ken Shamrock in that main event. A big card for the organization, so we wanted to talk to Scott Coker about it all. Scott, are you there? I'm here. Scott, you were there yesterday at Oracle Arena, right? Yeah, it was fantastic. What was that great, scene great like? Win. It's 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 electric in there. I tell you, the Bay Area basketball fans are, you know, are amazing. I mean, you know, we've had a couple of good years now, and um, but honestly, Ariel, for the last fifteen years, it's been kind of like the dark ages, and uh, they continue to sell out and have passionate fans, and and I'm one of them. I saw you posted a video of the uh, the post game celebration. Those were good seats, Scott Coker. You're you're are you are you courtside? Because it seems like you're living large over there at Oracle. I'll tell you, you know what, I do okay. okay. Uh, you should come down and, and come check it out with me. It's a great experience. Post the action. 
but you know, it's uh, it's not a bad scene that that, that house. But I, I tell you, I, I like my seats. So you're a lifelong Warriors fan, right? Yeah, I've been watching the Warriors for a long time. I mean, you know, I saw Rick Barry oh. play live. Let's put it that way. Wow. Do you remember when they won in '75? You know, I I was here, but you know, I was uh, just a young guy back then. But um, you know, I, I I do remember um, them playing, and then in the you know the consecutive years after, and you know, we used to always go watch you know the Warriors play. And so I've been a, a lifelong Warriors fan, lifelong Niner fan, and uh, Giants fan. So there we go. So this is what I'm getting at. I mean, you you got to be. I mean, I know you want them to win, but. What a bittersweet moment that would be if you have to go up against Game Seven, right? Well, I, I listen. I talked to Curry last night. <laughs> I said, "Listen, don't even worry about it. We got this covered. Tuesday night, we're going to close it out." You know, the Cavs to me are looking a little bit, uh, you know, run down. I mean, you, you can't just rely on one guy or two guys. And sure. I think we just we just have a better team and with much uh, more bench strength. So I think we we uh, you know I think we're going to wrap it up on Tuesday and. And, uh, and then everybody's going to tune into Bellator, Kimbo versus Shamrock on Friday. Yes, and I know uh, a fellow Dubs fan, Rich Chow, is also uh, kind of, I mean, he's, he's sweating because he doesn't want to have to miss it. And I can understand that. I remember famously there was a Strike Force event you watched, I think it was the last ever one, and you were watching the Niners in the playoffs. Is that, is that accurate? I remember you, you having to double dip at one point, right? <laughs> well, yeah, earlier in the game, there was a playoff game. But, you know, I love sports. I, I love the, you know, obviously, you know, the fighting uh, takes priority, but um, I do love sports, and I do uh, really, really enjoy watching the uh, the playoff games. And the basketball has been intense at a very high level, uh, and, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, you, you probably watch You're a big basketball fan. It. It's, been, it's been an intense game. It's been a lot of fun. Okay, one last thing uh, before we actually get into this card. I just want to know because, you know, this is this has been talked about a lot lately and it, it was brought up once again on Saturday. <clears throat> the Strike Force, the ex Strike Force fighter is doing so well in the UFC. Now you have another one in Fabricio Verdum, who is champion. Of course, you have Robbie Lawler and Ronda Rousey <clears throat> and, you, and you have Luke Rockhold going for the belt. Do you, you take pride in that? Do you sit back wherever you are when you hear about this? I don't know if you're actually watching, but do, do, do you smile? Is it bittersweet? Is it a little like, ooh, can you imagine if we still had these guys? How do you react to that? Well, I mean, I'm extremely happy for those guys, and uh, they've done a great job. Uh, and it just shows that, listen, when Strikeforce was running, you know, the reporters were like, oh, you know, the best fighters in the UFC. And I said, no, the best fighters are here as well. And, uh, you know, it's over a period of time, it's proven that, listen, we have, we had the roster that was an unbelievable roster and, and then we brought pro elite and then they brought those 50 fighters in. Uh, but you know, the, the champions that have fought for strike force, even just the fighters, not just the champs, but the fighters that have been fighting that have fought for strike force that are now fighting in other leagues or including the USC. I mean, they're doing a great job and, and I'm like the proud dad. I do have my clicker out, you know, and uh, I'm doing my, my, uh, my strikes and outs. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, you know, I'm really happy for him, and uh, I look forward to them continuing success. And, of course, I can't so, forget uh, about Daniel Cormier, who's another ex-Strikeforce guy who won a belt recently. Yeah. How far do you think Bellator is from reaching that status, where we can say, you know, the best fighters in the world are also in Bellator, that these guys could come to the UFC and win belts? Do you feel like you're there yet, or you still need a couple more years? Well, here's the thing is that, you know, this company already had fighters. Um, a lot of great fighters there, by the way, when I came into this league. And uh, I think we've added a couple. We've built some, you know, some fun fights. We've built some hardcore fights. Uh, we brought in, 
George, uh, I mean, uh, we brought in uh, Melvin Gillard, we brought in Phil Davis, and, uh, you know, we brought in uh, Melvin Manoff and Paul Daly. We just added a lot of a lot of colorful fighters to our roster. And um, you know what? I will say right now, listen, the guys, there's some guys in here that can fight anybody in the world, and that's that's just a fact. And I think that the people that are in the business know that. Um, but, um, you know, uh, give us, give us another, you know, year and a half, two years and, and we'll see where, see where we're at. But you know, for right now, I'm, I'm very happy with, with where the roster is at right now. By the way, I should wish you a happy anniversary. It was last year in three days, June 18th, where you were officially announced as the new president of Bellator. What was, well, you know, how do, how do you describe this past year? Cause I know at first you said it was like a minefield. There was a lot going on. Do you feel like now it's a little more smooth sailing? Was this one of the more trying years of your career? Can you put it into some sort of you know, description, some sort of category for us, this past year for you as the new head boss over at Bellator? Yeah, I think that we've accomplished some great results. Uh, if you look at we started the 10-pole events, which I really love, and, and that's what's going to happen in St. Louis this Friday night. Uh, it's one of our big production shows, and uh, it's, you know, it's, just something a lot of fun to watch and entertaining, and we'll have some fun fights. We'll have some hardcore fights. We'll have just a great night of fights. Uh, we have a title sponsor and, and uh, light beer from Miller. Um, if you think about uh, now, we're going to uh, some venues that are sizable. Um, we have some exciting announcements this Friday that we'll announce for the future. But uh, we've brought in a lot more uh, talent into the roster and kind of, you know, just kind of rounded it up. Uh, we've, we've signed guys like Aaron Pico and Ruth. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of great things that are going on, and, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future because if you were to ask me, you know, it took us six months to really get our, you know, to get to the point where we had to, you know, when it came in, we had to do a fight right away, and then we went on the road for like nine weeks. Yeah. And then, and then I could start working on actually re, remodeling or rebuilding the company, uh, and, uh, and then that's kind of what uh, led to the Tito Ortiz fight. And then fans kind of got to see a little bit about this is where we're headed and create a lot of excitement. And uh, uh, that kind of was announced at our first 10 poll. Um, but, um, you know, I would say from November till, till now has really been our, our growth spurt. And, and, and I think we've done a lot of good things. I've been hearing rumblings about these announcements coming on Friday. Is there anything you could tell your old friend Ariel? I mean, any hints, anything <laughs> at all? Come on. It's top, top, top secret. Come on. Nothing. You're gonna have to come down. You're gonna have to come down to St. Louis. The big stuff. We're talking big things. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of a lot of fun, and and I think some some good things. I think that uh, the things that we're doing are, are you know gonna have a, a place in the history of the sport, and oh, and uh, and and you know, I think that uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch it unfold. So you mentioned the tentpole events. This is one of those coming up on Friday, Kimbo Slice versus Ken Shamrock. Um, the Tito Ortiz fight was on a Saturday. Are you done doing the Saturday shows because Spike has this Friday night fights thing going on? Um, you know, we'd like to stay true to the Friday night format for okay. Spike. Uh, but uh, from time to time, we will do a Saturday show. Uh, a lot depends on, you know, the availability of the venue and, and uh, you know, if it makes sense uh, for everybody. But... You know, we are traditionally a Friday night um, lights out product. Yeah. On the spike, you know, Friday night combat sports block. So, um, you know, we'll try to say true that. But, um, you know, you'll see you'll see some Saturday night fights as well. Can you take us inside 
trying to actually put together Kimbo Slice versus Ken Shamrock because these are two guys who weren't active when you signed them. They have a history. They don't like each other. We know what happened you know, way back when, October 4th, 2008. They were supposed to fight on CBS, and, and Ken gets cut before the fight. How difficult was it to actually put this fight together, A, and B, how long did you work on it before you actually were able to sign him? Well, you know, the history of, of, of let's say, the Bellator part of this fight is um, we were in, in the process of signing Kimbo to come back and fight, and uh, we thought that'd be a lot of fun. It'd be great ratings, and, you know, he's such a great, charismatic character. Um, and, um, you know, and he's got some great knockout power, and he's been training at AT&T, so... You know, he's getting his jiu-jitsu together or anti-jiu-jitsu uh, or whatever, you know, he calls it. But um, we, we signed him and we said, hey, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking about opponents. We'll give you some names. And then what happened was I ran into Ken at our fan fest in San Diego. And um, we brought in Hoist. We brought in Randy Couture and Tito. And Tito was fighting. And, and, um, and we had Bonner there. And we, and we brought Ken in to sign autographs just to meet the fans. And... And so, you know, I walk in and he, and he say, hey, Ken, I haven't seen the guy probably for 10 years. And I said, hey, how you doing? And then he's like, great, you know, thank you to be here. And then he looks over the room and he says, I want to fight that guy. And I said, who? I'm looking at, and the room's crowded, so I'm like, who, who are you talking about? He said, I, I want to fight Hoist Gracie. <laughs> and I just kind of chuckled. I said, well, I, I don't know if Hoist is fighting anymore. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's been a long time. I, I, in my mind, I was thinking, God, this has been a long time, but he still wants to fight this guy. So I said, okay, well, in the back of my mind, it just kind of stuck. Okay, this guy still wants to fight, and he was in great shape. And I said, Ken, would you ever think about fighting again? And he said, yeah, I, I would if it was somebody I wanted to fight. And, uh, and then um, after the San Diego event, we started talking, and I said, hey, maybe uh, this is something we could put together. It would be a lot of fun because that's a fight that should have happened uh, many years ago. But, hey, so, so, so was the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight. That fight should have happened eight years ago or six years ago or whatever. So, you know, let's, let's, let's just put it together. So I thought that it was a perfect fight. I called Ken. I said, hey, Ken, you know, is there any interest to fight? He said, man, I would love to fight that guy. I've been waiting, and it's been, you know, I can just tell it's just been wearing on him for all these years. And then we called Kimbo, and Kimbo said, yeah, I'll fight him. Uh, and if you think about it, this is the pivotal fight that, didn't happen, and then it's so ironic because I think it just came full circle. And what I mean by that is, when um, back in in an '08, when when this uh, the company Pro Elite uh, didn't produce this fight, it kind of started the demise and the fall of of that company. And then it was Strikeforce, it was uh, Silicon Valley, and myself that went in. We bought the assets of that company, and you know Ken's career kind of took a a little bit of a you know hiccup, and then. Kimbo Slice went into boxing, but uh, here we are back, you know, so many years later putting that fight together. But so there, there, there's a, uh, a circle of life here yeah. to this fight. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm excited to watch it because I, I'm telling you right now, there is some heat between these guys. <laughs> these guys do not like each other. I've been around a lot of fighters in my career, and, you know, usually they, they can kind of talk to talk and they kind of have like a little publicity scuffle or whatever. But this, this is real. I, I, there was times where I was like, oh, my God, dude, these guys are going to fight right now. And uh, there's been many times I said, hey, guys, hold on. You know, like, you know, you guys get paid to fight. This is a professional match. Please, you know, don't start fighting in the studio. Or don't fight starting, you know, in, the, in this uh, uh, interview environment. And um, uh, so I'm excited because when the, I can guarantee this, when, when the cage door shuts and they say go, it's, it's going to be a fight. Any reservations, fear at all? 
that something crazy is going to happen beforehand like it did back in 2008? No, I, I, uh, I think that was an isolated incident and, you know, there's all these speculations, but I don't want to speculate. I mean, you know, to me, it's like, like whatever happened, happened and, you know, it just, it worked out the way it worked out. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm just moving on to the future. And I tell you, Ken's been living in a, in a motor home, uh, parked in a, in a martial arts gym, an MMA gym, outside of an MMA gym. And he has, um, you know, he said, I have three forms of protection <laughs> here in my, my motor home. And I said, well, what is it? He says, I have my pit bull, my dog, and then I have my, my nine millimeter on my Bible. Okay. And then they get through that, then there's me. I said, oh, I think you're covered, buddy. Yeah. I think you're good. You're good to go. Still so the, the world's most dangerous he, man. He's been, I mean, Errol, he's been staying there for the last four, about almost two months. For two months, he's been living outside of an MMA gym in a, in a, uh, in a RV, sleeping, training, eating, and sleeping, training, eating, and that's it. He hasn't, he's completely isolated himself from his home life and his family, and this is something that's very important to him. Can you give us maybe some insight into your your thought process? Like, what's what's a home run rating? Do you think this beats your your record on Spike? What, what are you thinking? Let's just say you're not going up against Game Seven. What, yeah, what are you I mean, thinking? I think for... that, listen, uh, Tito Ortiz set the benchmark with the modern fight. Yeah, and uh, we would like we'd like to beat that record. So uh, that 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 is the uh, that's the milestone. And you think it does? Do you think these guys have what it takes? Do you feel that buzz? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I think you can do it. Wow. All right. Uh, that is big. And, and by the way, drug testing has been a story, and it's great to know that they were tested leading up to this fight. Uh, of course, UFC just announced a deal with USADA. Is Bellator interested in doing that as well, doing something with an independent body? Well, you know what? I'll tell you. Um, we are definitely looking at, at different options right now. And I think the biggest hurdle for me is, uh, and, and not just myself, but, you know, the team inside, including all the spike people, is, you know, where, where you know, if you're, independent testing, but who's the, you know, who's going to be the enforcer? And is it the commission? Mm. Is it, you know, are you regulated by the commission? Because all the athletes are. And the commission, you know, was founded many years ago to protect the promoters from the athletes and the athletes from the promoters and then the uh, promoter and the athletes to the, uh, to the consumer. So, you know, is, is it going to be uh, different than what the athletic commission would do? And then all these athletic commissions have different, you know, regulations and rules and, and, and penalties. So it's kind of a, you know, uh, um, an interesting time because, you know, if you're the judge and the jury and the executioner, mm. then, then that kind of goes against what the athletic commissions are for. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a interesting time right now. So right now you're still kind of figuring out if this is something you're interested in doing. Um, yeah, well, I tell you, we're interested in protecting the sport. I uh-huh. will say this. Okay. Um, but, you know, when I talk to several athletic commission uh, executives, you know, they're like, look, if, if the league is, has a bigger suspension or a less suspension than what we, what we enforce, then we're not going to honor it. And that's, that, they told me that's just, you know, straight up, that's how it's going to be. We're the athletic commission. We regulate, you know, the fighting industry. And you guys can do it. But if a fighter, you guys want to penalize him for three years and our penalty is only one year, then he's going to be one year. And if he's not fighting for you, then he's going to be able to go and compete here uh, you know, whether you like it or not. I mean, it's, 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 it's a complicated time. When are we going to see Phil Davis's debut? Uh, soon. That'll be one of our announcements. Oh, got to come out. Got to come out on, uh, on, on, on Friday. 
soon, though, because I think your light heavyweight division all of a sudden has become, you know, with Liam McGeary. When are we going to see him back? Soon, you have to come. To, uh, we're going to have all those announcements this Friday. You should come oh, out and check my. it out. Oh, my. You can't tell us anything here on your favorite show. No, but um, I'll tell you, we got some exciting announcements. And, uh, you know, this is a fight card from top to bottom that's going to be, uh, you know, something something for everybody. And, and uh, you know, we, we're, we're going to have some big announcements at the press conference on Friday. So um, come on out. Perhaps pay-per-view? Are you back in that business? Uh, no, we are a Spike TV property, and uh, we we like being a Spike on Spike, and I think the eyeballs that Spike can bring um, are really important right now uh, for us. And by the way, let me ask you this. Uh, you made some news when you signed Ed Ruth, of course, and Aaron Pico, two guys who aren't going to start their MMA careers tomorrow, but certainly huge prospects that got a lot of people excited. Is that something we're going to see you do more of, uh, try to sign these wrestlers or amateur athletes before they actually start considering training, before they get you know their, their Olympic dreams out of the way? Is, or are these two guys kind of special and that's it? I think we're going to um, um, pick and choose athletes that we think will fit well in MMA. Aaron Pico was a no-brainer because, let's face it, he's a kid that's already been boxing and wants to be in the combat sport. So when I sat down with Aaron the very first time, he said to me, I want to be you know, one of the greatest. No, he said, I want to be the greatest combat sports fighter ever, hmm. which means I want to go to the Olympics, I want to win the gold, I want to come to MMA, I want to be the world champ, and, you know, if uh, time permits, I want to go and be a boxing world champion, too. I want to do everything. And, you know, when you're 17 years old, that, that's how you think, right? I mean, if you're an elite Olympic-level uh, athlete, so he wants to conquer the world. And, uh, and, uh, and then Ed Roots was somebody that came to us um, and uh, had interest in MMA, and and uh, we said, hey, let's do it. And, and it, those, both those guys have been, you know, out there representing our team or representing our country, wrestling all over the world. Uh, and I'm excited because, you know, the wrestlers in MMA have had great success, and we think that's going to continue with those two guys. Okay, last question before I let you go. And again, thank you very much for the time. Bellator is back this Friday on Spike TV. It is Bellator 138. It's being dubbed unfinished business and as you mentioned something for everyone you've got the lightweight title on the line pitbull's back you've got bobby lashley fighting unfortunately james thompson out but you still get to see lashley if you're a fan of his daniel strauss returning to me very interesting the return of michael chandler i'm, I'm very curious to see how he looks also kind of flying under the radar justin lawrence making his bellator debut this on the prelims but still interesting nonetheless which fight other than the main event really has you very excited Boy, that's a tough question. You know, Justin Lawrence is a is a new kid that we just signed, but you know, tremendous prospect. Um, you know, like you said, you talked about Chandler Weichel, but I'm telling you, there's a, a kid, Henry Corrales, hmm. that came to us with an undefeated record, and um, you know, he he said, "Look, I'll fight anybody." And he said, "Hey, what about you and Strauss?" He said, "We'll take it." This kid is somebody that's you know been highly recruited and uh, has great hopes for. So, uh, you know, this will be his first fight in a big spotlight like this, and I'm really interested to see how he's going to perform against uh, such a great fighter as, in, uh, as Daniel Strauss. Yeah, that is a big, uh, a big step up. Strauss still very much a player in that division, so curious to see that. As you mentioned, his, uh, his Bellator debut. I wish you the best, Scott. I wish you the best on Tuesday as the dubs try to wrap it up. And, of course, uh, I wish you the best on Friday for Bellator 138. We shall be watching. We appreciate the time, as always, Scott. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. All right, there he is, Scott Coker, the president 
uh, Bellator Mixed Martial Arts. They return on Friday. And by the way, they have uh, a few of their events, which I think is good, already laid out. Uh, they return uh, actually the following week, right? There was, yeah, June 26, Bellator 139. So that is the following week. Czech Congo versus Alexander Volkov, heavyweight action. And Bellator 140 is July 17th. Welterweight title on the line, Douglas Lima versus Andrei Koreshkov. So interesting to hear that they are done going up on uh, Saturdays, which I think is a very smart thing on their part. Own Friday, you're you're pretty much guaranteeing that, you know, you never have to go up against the UFC, which I think is very good. And you can own that thing with, you know, the whole spike Friday night. What is it? Friday night? Uh, fr what is it? Friday night light fights or something they call it? with the PBC Premier Boxing Champions and, of course, Glory as well. Friday Night Lights Out, right, right, right. Friday Night Lights Out. New York Rick, very quick to uh, correct me on the, the spike verbiage, although you haven't told me if our next guest is on the line. Let's wait for it. She's not. Next guest, of course, is <clears throat> Jessica Aguilar. Remember a couple weeks ago we had her on the show. Uh, she announced on this very program that she had been given her release from World Series of Fighting. There wasn't much going on for her over there. It was kind of crazy to have her, you know, one of the very best at 115 pounds, but there was really no competition there for her. So they gave her the release, which I think, you know, kudos to them. Honorable. You don't see that often. And then she announced on this program that she wants to fight in the UFC, which I thought was an interesting move because, you know, there aren't a lot of places right now for 115-pounders. You have, of course, Invicta and then the UFC. UFC is obviously the place I think every single fighter wants to be, even if your division isn't there. You dream of that sort of thing. It's no knock on Invicta. They, they've just been around a lot longer. I think anyone would uh, agree with that if you ask them at Invicta. So she announces that, but it, it took a little bit of time. Finally, she got herself a fight, and it's a big one. Wow. In my opinion, it's a number one contender fight, 100%. Of course, the, the title is on the line this Saturday on UFC Fight Pass, Joanna Yamjacek against Jessica Penne. Um, but then, August 1st, you have this massive fight. It's a great fight. Kudos to Sean Shelby. I, I thought that the fight that would have been the most fun right off the bat would have been Jessica Aguilar versus Carlos Barza. We spoke about uh, their issues, their, their rivalry, if you will. Carla throwing some bombs her way, accusing her of uh, PD use and all that stuff. That would have been fun, but it appears as though Carlos Barza is going to be out for a little longer. You know, she's nursing some injuries. So now you do Claudia Gadelia, who's coming off a controversial loss to Ioana, very close. She could easily be the champion right now. Um, she was supposed to fight in April against Ashling Daly. She pulled out due to a, uh, a back injury. Now she's 100%. And so the fight is taking place, UFC 190, August 1st in Brazil. Jessica Aguilar versus Claudia Gadelia. Again, as I said, I think that is 100% a number one contender fight. And I love the fact that it's taking place on a Ronda Rousey card because I think that it's going to receive a little more attention. Um, when, when Rousey fights... You know, we start we start thinking and looking a little deeper into women's MMA, and I think it's great to put a fight of that magnitude. One day, I would love to see you know the 115 and 135 pound title on the same card. I think that would be great as well. Um, but the next best thing is a number one contender fight, and that's what they did. I think that makes a lot of sense. And quietly, that card has become very interesting. They premiered a 
a, a commercial on the 188 broadcast, which I thought was fantastic. It was, in case you missed it, it was Ronda Rousey hitting mitts with her coach Edmund Tarverdian, and uh, she's just going relentless, while clips of her previous opponents, Liz Carmouche, um, who else, Kat Singano, Sarah McMahon, Alexis Davis, clips of Misha Tate as well. It's just the old clips of them saying how they're going to beat her, how they're going to be the next one, blah, 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 blah. And then, bang, it ends. Um, there's no real mention of Betchko Head. There's, there's, a, there's one soundbite of her saying she's going to take off her head, but it's really all about the dominance of Ronda Rousey. They, they show the quote of Ronda you know, being the most dominant athlete, according to SI. It was a perfect, it was a perfect commercial spot. It's, it's really all about that. That's the way you have to go in this case because Ronda is the big draw. She's obviously the one who everyone knows. She speaks English. I mean, it's just, it's just great to sell her dominance. I thought that was a very clever campaign. They also aired a new uh, 189 commercial of course involving conor mcgregor and jose aldo which was great as well the commercials are getting a lot better especially those extended ones like the shorter ones where there's just a whole bunch of yelling i'm not a huge fan of but the longer ones where they get creative i like very much as well um so i thought i thought that was great and as i said 190 quietly you know is a pretty solid card where the heck is jessica aguilar eric are you there she texted me earlier Can I get a can I get an update? But what does that mean? You say you're working on it. Okay. Uh, so you're saying but but has he has he connected with Jessica or Yeah, so we could do phone by the way. Okay, okay. Getting all getting all pissy with me back there. <clears throat> well, I guess in this downtime I could remind you that <clears throat> today's episode of the MMA Hour is being brought to you by our good friends at NOS Energy Drink. Hashtag with this NOS, I will. At NOS Energy Drink, we appreciate their support. As always, thank you very much to them. And a late addition to the show, by the way, if you missed it, at around 3.45, speaking of UFC Fight Pass, at around 3.45, we're going to be joined by uh, Titan CEO Jeff Aronson, as well as Titan COO Lex McMahon to... Uh, well, to give them the floor to announce uh, some pretty big news regarding the future of Titan FC. All right, we have Jessica. I believe it's on the phone. Is it on the phone? Let me see. Jessica, are yeah, you there? there you are. Hey, Jessica, what happened to the Skype? Yeah, my it, it says it's signing on, but it's just, uh, it's not, uh, I don't know, it's not even, it's not allowing me to sign on, so I apologize for that. All of a sudden, yeah, you're, a, uh, you're a UFC fighter and you've become too big time for Skype, right? No, no, you better, you better stop. <laughs> I'm not kidding. even. I'm kidding. Don't even. So, no, I promise. Okay, no, 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 no problem. I'm just joking. So, so let me ask you I, this: You don't have a manager, right? Um, my, uh, I do. Oh, you do. Uh, Lana Rodriguez. She's my girlfriend. She, she helps me out. She's been helping me out. So it's, you know, she helps me out with like right now. Every, they just need me to be focused on the fight. So, um, it's time for me to let go a little bit. So, uh, I, I, you know, I've allowed some help. I, I understand that and appreciate that. I'm wondering who, who was involved in the negotiations with the UFC and other promotions as well, if, if that happened. Was it, was it you or was it Alana? No, well, for this one, it was, it was Alana and, and Dan from, from okay. American Top Team. Alana and Dan Lambert from American Top Team. 
when you came on this show, you said you want to fight in the UFC, you want to win the belt, you want to prove to everyone that you're the best. Did anyone come calling? Did anyone try to make a pitch for you to come to their organization, or did you only talk to the UFC? You know, I, I, I honestly, I only wanted to talk to the UFC. You know, um, there was other people that, that came, um, uh, you know, wanting to for me to fight in their events, um, and, and I was, you know, I was uh, flattered by that, but I... Honestly, I just really wanted to talk to UFC, and, and uh, you know, I got it. I got my wish, so I'm, I'm so honored um, to be representing the UFC, and uh, I'm really pumped, you know. I'm, I'm really pumped for, for this fight. Yeah, and I think everyone is as well, and congratulations on the deal, by the way. Did you fear, Thank though, you so from a business perspective, that you might be pigeonholing yourself? Because if you come out and say you want to, you know, sign with UFC, you don't give yourself a lot of leverage. You know, at this point, Ariel, I just want to continue proving um, why I'm the best. And this is a platform to do so. So I have to do what I have to do. And, and uh, I just have to do what I do always do is uh, train hard, win, and then everything else will come. So I'm just, I'm just honored to be a part of the UFC now. And I'm, I'm pumped for uh, UFC 190. Did you ask for Claudia or did they offer you Claudia? Yeah, it was it was offered to me. Okay. Um, they said that the soonest that they they have a fight for me was August first, and uh, you know I said let's do it. So uh, you know I it, it's going to be a great fight. Um, I'm fighting in Brazil, which is huge for me. Um, and you know as I've been training with with Brazilians from day one, so now I get to practice my Portuguese. <laughs> um, so it's it's going to be really cool. How much did you know about her when when they offered you her? You know, I've been, I've been actually, I already competed against her uh, in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when I was, I think it was, I was a blue belt. It was a couple of years back in Texas. Um, she was, obviously, I was, it was an open class, uh, you know, she, she was a little, she was like 145 pounds at the time. She was a brown belt, um, and I lost by advantage, but I, I've been watching her um, for, for a while now, and I know that she's, she's very talented, um, and based upon her fight, uh, you know, her close fight with Joanna, I know that she uh, she has a lot of skills. So it's going to be it's an exciting matchup, and, and I'm, just, I'm just so pumped to, uh, to be fighting, you know, in front of the, that, those great, those, the great fans. Do you agree with me that this is a number one contender fight? Really? Absolutely. I agree. You know, like I said, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure she's, she's pumped about it, Claudia, uh, and, and we saw her last fight if it was, you know, if it would have went went in a little, I mean, in in my eyes, I think she won the fight. But okay. uh, you know, uh, I, I do think that this is a contender fight, and I'm just so pumped and excited about it. Have they told you that? No, they have not. I mean, things can happen. You know, uh, they said it can happen. You know, if I go out there and do what I need to do and and show you know, <laughs> show my skills and and uh, then you know that that might happen. But depending on what happens with. Uh, Joanna and, and Jessica in, in, in a week, um, you know, anything can happen, and then we'll, we'll just go from there. But I'm looking at this fight for now. This is my championship fight. This is like I'm, you know, I'm training like I'm fighting for the title. So uh, this, is, this is the fight that I'm looking at right now. And by the way, since you bring it up, and we talked about this because you were just on the show a couple weeks ago, but your pick for the title fight this Saturday is Joanna, right? You know, I love Jessica Penny. I think Joanna is just uh, she's she's right now she's so hungry and and but Jessica brings you know she's she's very diverse and and highly talented as well. Um, it it could go. I mean, it's going to be a great fight too. I, I you know I say Joanna only because she's hungry and and 
and she's so, you know, she's so young and pumped, but, you know, it can go either way, and, and uh, I'm excited to watch the fight. So I'm not going to pick anyone anymore. I'm just going to say it's going to be an exciting fight. Fair enough. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering, I, I, I'm assuming that you, you would have taken any card. You just wanted to fight in the UFC, and I respect that. But to fight on the same card as Ronda Rousey, did that make you a little more excited? Was that, wow, I mean, you've been around this sport for a long time. You've been one of the, you know, um, the, the, the faces of women's MMA. Was that something special for you? Absolutely. That's huge for me. You know, um, it, it's, I'm a fan myself. So, uh, you know, and then just to be, to be fighting on her card and then to be fighting in Brazil with the Brazilian fans. And, and it's just all exciting to me, you know, uh, but yeah, it, it's a, it's an honor to, to be fighting on that card. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't wait, man. I'm, I'm really pumped and, uh, I just, I just can't wait to, to be in there. Have you ever met Rhonda? Um, I have not. Huh. I don't think so. I have not. I have not. Do you admire? I mean, we we talk about her her training and her drive, her determination. From what you've seen, do you admire her as a champion? Are you a fan of hers? I am. I am. I admire her as a champion. You know, um, she's kind of been in. I've been through some of the things that she's been through in her life, and and uh, you know, she's 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 here for a reason. She's not just here because it was given to her. She's worked her way up, and you know, she's been a competitor since since I, I believe she was born, you know, uh, and uh, it, it shows. Um, so, yes, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of hers. What are the kind of things that you've been through that she's also been through? Uh, well, you know, I lost my father at a young age, and, uh, you know, there's just been a lot of things that, that's happened in my life that's made me stronger and, and made me push, you know, push myself to, to, to where I'm at today. Um, you know, my mom has worked very hard to, to raise a family, and now it's, it's kind of my turn, you know, so... Um, you know, there's a lot of, of things in common that we have. I haven't read her book, but I'm going to. So, oh, I uh, highly recommend I'm it. I really, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get. I spoke to your teammate Tisha Torres before her fight. Uh, this past Saturday in Mexico City, and I asked her, the news just came out that you had signed with the UFC, and I said, you know, there's a very good chance you guys cross paths now. Would you ever fight Jessica Aguilar? She spoke very highly of you, and she said she would do it if it's for the belt, the belt only. Do you share that sentiment? Uh, well, if, you know, right now, if that, if that happens, then we'll talk about it then. But, uh, you know, if, if it happens and, and that's, you know, she's, she's, she's at that position, then yes. Um, it, that's, you know, we train at one of the top gym, top, top teams in the, in the top gyms in the world, American top team. And we have a lot of, of guys like that as well. Um, the welterweight division, especially. So if, uh, you know, if we, if that happens, I you know I'm I'm honored to to, to go against a teammate. Did you watch her that fight? Means on... that we're... Go ahead, sorry. Yes, I did. I did. It was uh you know. What'd you make she, of like it? She said she, uh you know I believe she could have done a little more, but she got the win, and you know that's all that matters. Uh, she'll get back in. I know she'll get back in the gym and prepare harder, and she'll come she'll come back for 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 more next time. You know, on Saturday, so you watched the card, so you would know this. Uh, the altitude you know, was just a major factor from, from the main event to the, the co-main event to her fight. A lot, and we even saw Yair Rodriguez throw up after his fight. And I know fighting in Mexico is something you've always wanted to do, a dream of yours. Did watching Saturday's fight and, and, and what the altitude did to some of those fighters make you think twice about that dream? Not at all. It made me, it made me want it even more. You know, uh, if I get that opportunity to fight there, you know, I'll be doing my fight camp there, my entire fight camp. So, um, 
We'll, we'll talk about that then. Right now, I'm really excited about UFC 190, and, and uh, you know, I, I can't wait to show the fans on this platform who Jessica Jag is. Will you be on the pay-per-view? Um, I'm not sure, Ariel. I'm not sure. That's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't answer that. But either on Fox or, you know, if I get lucky, if we get lucky, we'll get uh, pushed to pay-per-view. By, not sure. by the way, sometimes being on the prelims, and I'm not just saying this because I work for Fox, is, is better because more people end up watching them. Yeah, for sure. I believe that, too. I believe that, too. Either way, it's going to be amazing, and I'm super pumped. <laughs> I know it just got announced, but how do you beat her? In your mind, how do you envision it? How do I beat her? Everywhere. Everywhere, Ariel. Uh-huh. It's going to be amazing. Everywhere. Standing ground. Everywhere. You have a point um, to know, prove. Um, absolutely, I do. I have a point to prove. I train with the best team in the world, American top team. I have great, great people around me. Um, and I believe in myself. So, you know, like I say, my motto, I'm going to just smile and believe. And, and, uh, you know, you guys will see on, on August 1st and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, oh, well, are you going to be there? Hell yeah, I'll be there. I can't wait. Oh, well then, well then I'll see you there. I was going to say, hopefully I'll see you, but I'll see you there, Ariel. Okay, last question. Uh, in your illustrious career, you now have fought, what, 23 times. You've only fought outside of North America once, right? That was in Tokyo against uh, Megumi Fuji. How early, since this is kind of a, a theme this week, how early will you get to Rio? Probably two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks wow. before the fight. Okay. Yeah. Probably two weeks. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what the itinerary looks like yet, but, um, you know, we usually, to Japan, I, I usually go about two weeks, a week and a half just to, uh, you know, get used to the the, um, the hours and the time difference. But I think Brazil is not that that, that much of a difference, is it? No, it's not. So. It's very close. It's like but, but it is it is kind of, you know, it is it could be a culture shock, the different food, different, you know, it's just a little different. So I've heard from fighters that it's good to get the early. Plus, you got to deal with those chants. They are not going to be rooting for you. I hope you're prepared for that. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be, I'm prepared. I, I, I you know, I, I've been an underdog before, and, and uh you know, so I, I'm really prepared. I'm just, uh, I just can't wait, uh, you know, to, to hear the, the electricity with Brazilian fans. I'm, I'm going to practice my Portuguese and, uh, you know, and then I'm going to get my, my win and uh, come home. All right. Well, I wish you nothing but the best, Jessica. Again, congratulations on signing with the UFC. And also, I, I feel like it's important to note, um, I, I think it was privately, but we did talk about, you know, when this time came, when you signed that you'd come on the show and talk to us about it and you stay true to your word. So I really appreciate that as well. Again, congratulations on the deal and, and good luck in this fight. I love this fight. I think it's such an interesting fight. And, and I do believe this is just my opinion that it is for the number one contender spot. So can't wait for, for uh, August 1st. Can't wait to see it actually go down and good luck in training as well. Thank you so much, Ariel, and we're going to be having fun. I'll, I'll take you a Lucha Libre mask. Oh, mask, so yes. I'll promise you that. I so appreciate we're going to have some fun. We're going to be having some fun in Brazil with, with the Mexican Lucha Libre mask. Can't wait. Thank you very much, Jessica. Good Thanks luck. Thanks again. All right, there she is, Jessica Aguilar, the newest member of the UFC's strawweight division. A great signing by them. And, uh, and like I said, that 190 card, you know, Brazil as of late, they didn't get the best cards, but I like this card very much. Ronda Rousey versus Bech Cohea for the bantamweight title, Shogun Hua versus uh, Rogerio Nogueira, which, of course, they're not who they once were, but there's some history there. Stefan Struve in a very important fight for him against Big Nog, the return of Big Nog. Bigfoot Silva versus Soa Paleli. Fei Zhao versus Patrick Cummins. 
And then how about this one? Damian Maia versus Neil Magny. Remember when Neil Magny won his last fight and I said they should book Damian Maia and everyone said I was crazy? I don't, again, as I, as I try to tell you guys, I don't just throw things out there for the sake of throwing them out there. Orly Alves versus Nordin Taleb. That's a fun, a fun card. August 1st, UFC 190 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. All right, before we get to Rio, of course, the next card up for the UFC is UFC Berlin. It's this Saturday. It airs this Saturday afternoon in Berlin. It's on Fight Pass, the main event, Joanna Jacek versus Jessica Penne for the strawweight title. One of the interesting fights on the card, in my opinion, involves Nicholas Backstrom versus our guest at this time, joining us from Brazil via the magic of Skype. Noad Lahat, AK's own Noad Lahat. And there he is, Noad, with a, with a T-shirt that just kind of smacks you in the face. I am the Jew. What, what does it say? <laughs> wow. I am the Jew that Mel Gibson warned you about. Exactly. Say <laughs> well, so the world, right? Yes. Uh, well, welcome to the show. Are you walking around the streets of Berlin with that T-shirt? Uh, I'm walking in the street of Berlin whatever I feel like it. <laughs> like a boss, as they say. Exactly. How's Berlin treating you? You've been there since when? Since Thursday? Uh, I've been here since Wednesday. Yeah, me and my coaches. Uh, we went a little sightseeing, not too much. We focus on resting and training mostly and making weight. Well, I, I follow you on Twitter and Instagram, and, and I saw, and I'm going to get to this because I thought it was very interesting when this fight was announced. You know, obviously, we know about your background. You're a very proud Israeli Jew fighting in Germany, and times have changed, and we've come a long way, but it's still in the back, I think, of every Jew's mind. The Holocaust happened you know, less than 100 years ago. It wasn't that long ago, and you're fighting in Berlin. You have, uh, you've done some sightseeing, as you said. You went to the Holocaust Memorial. You've, you've walked around. What has that been like for you? Have you ever experienced anything like that before? Uh, well, of course, as Israeli, as a Jew, you grow up, you always, you always know that. You always... Uh, know that as a country, as a people, we have to be strong. So things like that will never happen again. And um, walking in Berlin, feeling that and seeing, uh, if you saw on my Instagram, those, uh, those stones on the ground with the names of the people who are going to the, to the Holocaust Memorial. And uh, it's, 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 it's strong. It make my stomach, uh, make my stomach like flip around. It wasn't easy. Uh, walking around and think that in this place, so many of our people got butchered and treated like uh, like animals for no reason, just because they're believed in different God or had different values. Hmm. So, so considering that, did you have any reservations about fighting there when they told you they want you to fight in Berlin? What did you think? Um, I, well, I don't like travel <laughs> for the fight close to home, but when they told me Germany. I thought, what's, what an, an awesome opportunity for me. Um, I don't even care about, you know, I'm just being here for me, it's winning. To me, to be here, represent myself as a Jew, as a strong Jew, as a proud one, coming here and, and show, uh, to me, I don't, I don't think other people maybe can't understand that, but to me, to come here and show uh, my flag with the Star of David on that and be proud of that, what they used to, what they used it right here uh, to to mark us with, with shame and to come back here to this place and, and to, to show and be proud of who I am and what I am, especially as a fighter, especially to fight here, I already won. Uh, it doesn't even matter if the fight, win or lose, I won. Hmm. Wow. You gave me goosebumps there. That, it is pretty heavy stuff. 
Um, what kind of mental state are you in after going to the memorials and all that? Is it too emotional? I mean, were your coaches maybe concerned about you doing that? Because I can understand it. it. It puts you in a different kind of mindset, right? It is, it is, yeah. But um, separate the fight from from the from life. So where we, I walk through, you know, through the museum and through the the, the memorial and. Uh, and it was a hard day. It's not easy. You, you hear the, the testimonies and stuff like that. And, and it really, like mentally, it hard on you. And, uh, and it just, it just uh, gives you that extra motivation to know that I want to represent and to the best of my ability and show, that, and show uh, where I come from and, uh, and that we're not so easy to mess up with anymore. Are you concerned about the reception you'll get? You know, because you wear the star, David, very proudly when you come out. It's usually on your hat, your shorts. How do you think it's going to be? Uh, what do you mean? You got caught in the middle. Oh, I the said, I said are, are you concerned about the reception that you'll get? You know, again, I think times have changed in Berlin is actually a very uh, progressive uh, city. The country has, has obviously changed a lot. But are you at all concerned because you do wear the, the star of David very proudly on your gear when you fight? Nah, zero concern. I don't care. I, I'm, I am who I am. If anybody got a problem with that, more than welcome to come say it to my face. <laughs> um, you know, Nicholas Backstrom was considered before his last fight a very big prospect in the division. A lot of people were very excited about him, and then he stumbled, of course. Um, and, and I'm sure you can, you, know, you can relate as well because uh, your debut didn't go your way and you rebounded very nicely. What do you make of him? When they offered you Nicholas Backstrom, was this the kind of guy that was on your radar? Did you know anything about him? What were your thoughts? Actually, I knew nothing about him. When they told me, hey, you want Nicholas Backstrom? I said, yes. And <laughs> then I had to go who he is. I never said no to a fight. So they asked me if I take the fight. I actually took the fight before they gave me an opponent. Oh, I wow. said, give me what you want to. Um, and so, yeah, I I never say no to a fight. Uh, I'm I'm here for this for the sport to have fun, uh, and I'm here to fight anybody. Uh, if someone give you different different kind of trouble, then that's the whole the whole um, the whole game to come overcome it. Um, I don't see special problems from him. He's a good kickboxer, and um, that's it. So nothing he does concerns you. Well, I'm sure he's dangerous. I saw him, you know. I saw I saw his fight, uh, his first one that he won uh, uh, by submission, but he, he, mostly because uh, he dazed the guy with that with that front kick. Uh, not concerned, probably stuff that you know maybe need to worry about, but but it's okay. It's all okay. All part of the game. Fine. I haven't looked at the stats. I don't have them in front of me, but uh, he's a pretty tall 145er, right? He's kind of lanky compared to you. Yeah, I think he's like he's six one or something wow. like that. I don't know how. How do you feel I don't about know how that? You make it. I feel like it's more uh, more to grab. Okay, uh, fair enough. Um, you, of course, are a proud member of AKA. It was a tough night for AKA on Saturday. Did you watch Kane's fight? And if so, what did you think about it? Oh man, it was hard. Me and my coaches, we were sitting here watching it. Um, I think Kane lost to to the altitude. I think it just happened that that Verdum was there. I don't think really, I don't think in in in, in a match that both of them uh, got the same uh, the same training in the same place. Verdum got much to offer to him. He looked pretty 
pretty exhausted already at the first round. And uh, I think he made a mistake going late, but he's, he's awesome. He'll, he'll come back, you know, more dangerous than ever, I'm sure. I have no doubt about it. And I just think it made the division a little bit more interesting because he'll come back, either rematch or not. He'll just go, go through everybody in that division. Yeah, you look at the look on his face. I mean, he looked like a guy who wanted to rip everyone's head off in the uh, press conference. Same kind of look we saw after he lost to JDS. You were around him, of course. You were preparing for a fight. Did you have any? Did you think, oh, maybe he's not ready? He's not one hundred percent. Like, did you? Th- or was, were you completely shocked by the cane that you saw in the cage? I was completely shocked because wow. uh, he looked like he was in great shape, right? He always is. Kane yeah. is. <laughs> that's the one thing you know. We all know that he can go. He can come back from uh from from injury two months doing nothing and then go five rounds like it's nothing and people they have to change people on him every round and to see him and already the first uh, two three minutes we look at him and we're like is he breathing heavy i don't think i ever saw ken breathing heavy so it's obviously was something wrong i think uh i think the acclimated to that to the altitude was a little problem for him i didn't have a chance to talk to him but i think that was the problem but what's it like being at the gym with uh, the captain, Daniel Cormier, now champion? Is he, is he insufferable? Is he, is he parading it around, shoving it in your face? What's it like? The head got bigger, huh? <laughs> it's bigger and bigger. <laughs> I was really happy for him. He's, he's an awesome guy. He's really deserved it. Uh, and I think he's really a good role model for the sport and for everybody. You know, he's teaching kids all the time and, and work with kids and work with us. He's teaching us all the wrestling. I was really happy for him. But yeah, his head got bigger. <laughs> what, he shrink for two or two or five, but his head got bigger. Yeah, I uh, I expect nothing less. One more thing about your team. I know you trained very closely with Josh Thompson, right? And he has a fight coming up in July. How much left does he have in him? Because he's been very quiet as of late. We haven't seen him in quite some time since the last time you fought, to be exact. And uh, you don't hear a lot from him. What's it like being around Josh these days? Uh, hurt pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I spar with him every day. He got he got a lot more coming. He's uh, he's one of the most technical guys I know, and he's one of the most stubborn and tough tougher guys I know around. He's there is no quit in him. I think every time he lost, it was either a bad decision or you have to like really put him out. Um, he's also a person I learn a lot from, and uh, and I think he got he got a lot more in him. Hmm. Well, that is good to. <laughs> Yeah, it's come with, uh, you know, the, the fighter get older, so he's not, they're not as explosive as a 20-year-old, but he got a lot of experience. He's really technical all around. You saw him, uh, even when he fought uh, uh, Henderson, he took him down easy. Yeah, he got good hands, he's good black belt in jiu-jitsu, so he's good all around. Sure, and I believe he actually won that fight. I, I thought he kind of got screwed by the judges in that one. Um, you, re- you received a lot of attention uh, leading up to your last fight back in July and afterwards, of course, because you announced that you were going to go back to the Army. Things were a lot more tense where you're from. What was it like when you went back? After receiving, you know, you had just fought in the UFC, big card in San Jose, your, your new home, and then all of a sudden you're back wearing the uniform, you're back on the front lines. What was that like for you mentally? Um, well, it was a while ago, so... Yeah. <laughs> but um, mentally... It's it's just put everything in perspective that you know that that at home people are getting shot at have to you know running to have to run to to take cover from missiles and stuff like that. It's it's just put everything in perspective. 
and uh, and again leading to to Berlin, you know that that we still still in 2015 we still need to worry about our our existence, and only because we we have different religion. That's it. That's the only difference, and. Uh, and it's we need to remember that, and I think this is the, the great connection to this one. You know, going from uh, from the army and then to Berlin, I just know that this time we go and we fight back. Mm. Uh, back in the day when we couldn't, now we have an army, we have a strong country, and we we strong people now. And now we're not gonna get pushed around. Now this time when someone comes for us, we we're gonna hit back and hard. Because you were a UFC fighter and you received all this media attention, did people recognize you? Did people say, hey, are you that guy I saw on the news I read about? What was that like? Yeah, actually, yeah. People recognized me in the street and stuff. Uh, it, was, uh, it, it was nice to get a recognition because MMA is not as big in, uh, in Israel as it is uh, in, in California or the state. Um, so it was nice to, to bring the attention to the sport Maybe that's not the way I wanted to bring the attention to the sport, but I do know that a lot more people watch this fight now because of that. Hmm. How long were you there for? Um, I was there uh, until the whole conflict, uh, you know, everything got quiet. I stayed for a little bit longer, and then, uh, and then I came back to San Jose to train again. I had to get uh, – I went over a surgery. I had to fix my elbow. And um, so, yeah, I had to go fix my elbow, go to rehab, and then start training again and uh, get ready for this one. When did you injure your elbow? Oh, I injured my elbow before my fight in Brazil. I was supposed okay. to get surgery. Before the fight in Brazil, I had uh, 15 pieces of broken bones in my elbow. My left arm was useless. I couldn't use it. And... I was supposed to get it before the fight in Brazil, and then they offered me the fight on short notice. So I said yes. I jumped, and then I lost. I was like, I can't go get the surgery after a loss. I have to win first. I have to get the the peace of mind. So I got the win, and after the win, I, I told my wife and my coaches, so maybe one more fight. I feel on the <laughs> runs. No, that's it. I, every time I train, I, I had to go home and ice it because it was swollen. I couldn't bend it. Then, if you see in the fight, I couldn't. I couldn't punch with it. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't protect myself. So now I got two arms. Well, that makes things even more interesting in my opinion. And I know you're not lacking inspiration, but you recently became a new father. Mazel tov to you, my friend. That's, that's unbelievable. Congratulations, of course, to both you and your wife. How has that changed you as, as a person, but also as a fighter? Um, as a person, it did change me. As a fighter, I don't know if it changed me much. I still, you know, go into the cage, do my job. But as a person, uh, it's uh, it's it's hard to explain. Of course, you know it as a fighter, but uh, all of a sudden, you see, you get new perspective on life. He's a a new creature that you that you're responsible for him. <laughs> for the for the <laughs> for. You, you try not to screw him up too bad. <laughs> yes, of course, among many other things. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, was, it was really, it, it's hard to describe. It was really emotional for me, especially in the middle of fight camp. I didn't want to fight while my wife was pregnant. So I took the fight uh, right after. I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to put her through all the fight camp and uh, all the excitement while she was pregnant. So I had to wait and get uh, my baby wife fight camp. I went to, you know, I, I was... Uh, I came back from training, 
got home at nine o'clock and my wife told me, okay, go to bed because tonight is tonight. Wow. So I'm going to bed after a few hours. She wake me up. Let's go to the hospital. Been with her in the hospital. She delivered the baby and then I had to go to training and then come back. Wow. <laughs> it was, it was interesting. The reason I ask you if it's changed you as a fighter, it's because, you know, maybe your, your mindset is different. Your, the way you look at things, now you're fighting not only for you, your wife, your family, but you have, a, you have an actual baby that you have to support. Things have changed. So that's why I was thinking uh, maybe it changed your perspective. Well, I always wanted to win. I don't think anybody go to fight sure. and think about losing. I, I always wanted to win more than anything. Um, I still wanted to win more than anything, but now I got a reason. Now it's uh, not, now I got a... a a better reason for you know I need to bring home and I want my uh, I want my kids to be proud of me and um, and and uh, but but as a fighter it didn't change me much as a person yes definitely mm. as a fighter still the same fighter. By the way, how are things back home? Uh, things are awesome. By the way, I let alone shalom. Oh, <laughs> my my brother and sister asked me to to say hello. I said I'm not going to say hello to them. <laughs> uh, everything, everything at home, you know, as usual. Um, every once in a while, uh, they get like a rocket or two flying uh, by. But uh, what they see in the news, it's not what it's really like. Even even during like the uh, even during the war, I think I posted pictures from the beach, and you see the the everybody going to the beach and. Uh, is, Israelis are different. Israel is made from a different uh, from a different material. We we don't get excited about stuff like that. We go. We're still going out every night. We're still going out to restaurants. Uh, if you walk in Tel Aviv, uh, uh, still parties. Everybody relax. It's usually the army doing a good job pushing everything to the borders. Uh, in the center of Israel, everything is quiet. And um, how to bring the, the the UFC night for to Tel Aviv 2016? Oh, are they talking about that? I'm talking about it. Yes, I like it. I I, I would run there if they did that. I, I wouldn't even take the plane. I, I would be so excited. Are you gonna walk out? Are you gonna walk out to Matisseau again? Of course. All right. All right. I love Matisseau. He's my man. You know, one time I met him, I interviewed him in Vancouver, and I have to admit, he wasn't very friendly. He was actually quite rude to me, but it didn't change my perspective on his music, but it wasn't, I was disheartened. Because I, I met him in Santa Cruz one time. He just posted on his Twitter, uh, free show today in Santa Cruz, which is uh, about 40 minutes from my house. I finished training. My friend just told me that, hey, you know, Matisseau. I was like, so I drove all the way there. He did, uh, uh, he had a CD coming out. He actually was nice to me. He still had the long beard. Yeah. I, I asked him, do you speak Hebrew? And he was like, he looked at me, no, but are you Israeli? And so we, we start talking, even though there were like 100 people around. Uh, he was nice to me. Maybe, okay. maybe it's your face. Like, maybe, maybe it's my face or maybe uh, he was in a bad mood. I don't know. I'm just saying that one time it was a little strange. I, I don't like him without the beard, by the way. I liked him with the beard better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think to me, like it's also his new music when I see him without the beard. It's like he lost something for yeah. me. Um, I really liked him uh, with a beard. It like represents something, but also his music, especially you know uh, his old stuff. Yeah, really touch. Especially the Jerusalem. When I hear that, I get all pumped up and and ready to go. I agree. Final thing: How do you beat this man on Saturday? Uh, I'm gonna finish him. Wow, finish him early. How are we doing it? Submission, knockout? Uh, it doesn't matter. Whatever come. I'm I'm gonna get the W. Whatever. Uh, either way. Muzzle told my friend, I can't wait Thank for you it. Very much.
Big fight for you on Saturday. It's on UFC Fight Pass. The entire card is on Fight Pass. A lot of interesting fights, including this one, Noad Lahad versus Nicholas Backstrom in Berlin, Germany. Again, I wish you the best of luck, and it's great to have you back on the show. We missed you. Thank you very much. All right, there he Thank is. You. Israel's own Noad Lahat. Huge fight for him. He's, uh, he's coming off a win. It was back in July. He, uh, he fought in San Jose. That was UFC on Fox. Now here he is fighting in Berlin. A big opportunity and an emotional one for him, so we wish him the best of luck. All right. As I mentioned, this Saturday the UFC is back in Germany, and then the following week they are going to Florida. Hollywood, Florida, to be exact. And the main event is a very interesting one. It involves Yoel Romero versus our guest at this time, the Dragon, Lyoto Machida. Huge fight for him. He joins us on the phone. Lyoto, are you there? Hi, hi, hi. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You know, Lyoto, I was very surprised when they announced this fight because you fought two months ago. This is a very quick turnaround for you. Why are you coming back so soon? So it might it might seem sooner than anticipated, but I like to be busy, and especially after a devastating loss against the Luke Rockwood. I think the best way to to recover is to to get another fight. So you said to the UFC, you want to come back sooner rather than later. Yes, I told them. And, and you had no problem, at least physically, in, in returning two months later? No, uh, right after my fight against Luke Rocco, I had a surgery on my left hand. This just was, uh, I just took out some fragments from, from back then, no? Uh, too many training, and I had uh, some fragments inside of my hands. But it took me about three weeks to, to be healed 100%. And now I'm here. I'm ready for this fight. Did did the hand hurt you leading up to the fight? Was it a problem for you? Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. When I when I punch, when I punch, I I hurt. Oh. Did you consider pulling out of the fight? No. 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 Have you watched the fight? Yes, I watched maybe three or four times that fight, but. I saw that I got a, a elbow on my neck. I got a, he elbowed my neck, and I was so dizzy at that time. Then when I went to the courtroom, I I barely hear my brother. So when I got back to the fight, I was so dizzy. My my legs were wobbling. Yeah, I wasn't recovered. Mm. So suddenly I fell again, and he. He was smart and capitalized on, but but I think I thought that there was illegal illegal shot, but oh. it's not a problem because you know it's a fight. Something something happened. Sometimes it's happened. It's, it's not it's no problem with that. So you think it was a shot to the back of your head? It was an illegal shot. Sorry. So you think the the elbow that he hurt you that made you all wobbly was actually an illegal shot? I think I think I think it wasn't purpose. No, it wasn't purpose. Right. Yeah. Was not. Was, was not. Not a purpose. Right. Yeah. I think it's happened, but it's it's making me bad. It made me bad. 
It was it was a very strange fight to watch because I've never seen you lose like that. I mean, he he was very dominant. What's it like for you to watch it now? Was that not the real Lyoto? Do you think that the the elbow really? Uh, yeah, it wasn't my night at that at that time. No, I don't know what happened. It's hard to explain. But I have to move on and go to the next fight. Man, I don't want. I don't want to keep my focus on that fight because it's already passed. Mm-hmm. And I have to think ahead and look for my next fight. So now you're fighting Yoel Romero, who's uh, obviously a very accomplished wrestler. There are people like Daniel Cormier who say he's the best wrestler in MMA right now, which is high praise. Are you, are you impressed with him? Do you think he's that great of a fighter as well, or do you not think he's on your level? No, I think he's in my level because I think he's a top five or top four. I don't know exactly. So, but he's a, a good wrestler and good. But he knows how to fight on uh, how to fight standing up. He has a good ground game. Just I mean, control on the ground, and also uh, he had many knockouts in, in, in his historic. So. He's a great fight. He's a complete fight, well-rounded, and he's very veteran fight. Even though he has a couple of fights in MMA, but he knows how to fight in high level because he, he used to compete in, in Olympic Games, in World Championship. He knows how to handle with that. Do you remember watching him in the Olympics? Uh, I just watched back in the back in the, back in the day uh, a couple of fights against Satyev, Adam Satyev. He's from Russian. He was a uh, Olympic Olympic champion. He when he fought against Yoel Romero, I think it was a very amazing fight. So, but I think it's gonna be an MMA fight, and many things can happen. Yes, and to be exact, you're ranked number four in the official UFC rankings. He's ranked number six, so it's a very important fight. Historically, you have been very successful against wrestlers. Randy Couture, Ryan Bader, Dan Henderson, Mark Munoz, C.B. Dalloway. Did you think about that when you were offered this fight, and, and did that make you want to take it even more so? Because I think a lot of wrestlers have trouble with your style. No, really. No, I think... Uh, I have... I, I think that Yoel Romero is one of the toughest opponents in my career. Always I try to think like that because I can train very hard and it's making me strong. So I know that I, I know how to fight against wrestlers. And, and also I have a good partner. I have a good training partner here to help me. Grover Teixeira always helped me. And Kevin Casey and many, many, many types fighters can help me during my camp. So uh, I think I'm getting used to fighting against uh, wrestlers. Did you bring in any new, you know, wrestling-oriented training partners to help you prepare for Yoel Romero? No, really. I, I've been training with Kenny Johnson mm-hmm. and Kevin Casey because Yoel Romero, he's a good wrestler. But even though he's a good wrestler, but he, he doesn't shoot a lot. No, he, he likes to, to, to grab, to grab, but he doesn't like to shoot from far, far distance. He likes to, to, he likes to fight on the stand. Right. 
He doesn't use his wrestling as much as one would think, or maybe he hasn't tied it all together. Because MMA wrestling is different no. than, than amateur wrestling, right? Yes, yes, right, right. You know, this 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 fight is is you know still you know in the uh, in the rankings. It's still very important, um, and the middleweight division is more interesting than ever. Do you think that you know right away if you beat him, you're right back in that that title discussion? Because a lot of people thought a win over Rockhold would have put you right back in there against Chris Weidman. Yeah, I think that if I beat Romero, I'll be in the mix. I'll be in the mix, and I can fight for the title in time. But that's not my goal now to think on the title because Romero is a tough opponent. So I have to think in my next fight because my next step is my my main step. Mm-hmm. So I have to keep my focus on Romero. But of course, if I have a a, a good victory, a great victory against him, I'll be in the mix. How much time did you have as a 100% healthy fighter to prepare for this fight? Because you said you had surgery on your hand. So, like, when, when did that become 100% to the point where, okay, you can really start your training camp? Well, I think maybe six, five, six weeks. I had a great camp. Yeah. Because I have no excuse for that camp, no. Uh, right, right after my fight against Rockhold, maybe three days after I did my surgery, so I couldn't hit someone, but at the same time, I could run, I could lift some weights with my legs, I could know I could do some stuff, I kick some bags. I never stop. I never stop. I always in movement to wait for some opportunity. And, and suddenly, this opportunity just show up, and I got this fight. What was it like for you to see your old friend and fellow Brazilian Fabricio Vaicavalo Brazil become Vaicavalo Verdum, excuse me, become the, the latest champion from Brazil, become the undisputed heavyweight champion on Saturday? What was that like for you? I was extremely happy for him and very satisfied with his victory because he deserves everything. I know he trained hard. Sometimes we train together. And hard work always pays off. Fabrice Verdun, he's a great athlete, and he grew a lot in MMA, and now he became a champion. He, I think he's one of the best fighters in the world. He beat a beast, Ken Velasque. Man. Wow. And he, he beat him. He, he, was, he wasn't lucky. No, he beat on the ground. He beat on stand. Standing up, he did on the clinch. He did a great job. He deserved everything. Yes, this is the only man to submit Cain Velasquez, to submit Fyodor Emelianenko. He also has defeated uh, Rodrigo Noguera, who also he submitted Travis Brown, Mark Hunt. Do you consider him to be the greatest heavyweight of all time now? I consider him one of the best. One of the best. One of the best. Because you and now he, he's the best. now he's the best. Because you told me not that long ago that you think that Fedor is the best ever, right? Yes, because I like that style. I like Fedor's styles, but he already retired, man. And hmm. now the I think the sport is growing so fast and change many, many, many things. Now you have to you have to know everything to to keep in to keep it up. Um, do you, do you think, well, when's the first time you met him? Would you recall the first time you, you actually met and trained with uh, Fabricio? Sorry? When's the first time, do you, do you recall the first time you met Fabricio Verdum? How long ago? Oh, long time ago. We fought together in Jungle Fight 1 
in Brazil. We had a we we, we had the same cards at that time, and after that, we always in touch. Sometimes I met him in some events. Sometimes I met him here in the United States. And when I moved to LA uh, two years ago, I met him again, and we started training together. We started to do some things together. And he helped me a lot at the beginning, and you, we always help each other. Didn't you spend some time at King's MMA as well? Not for this fight, because Rafael wasn't there. Right. He was in Mexico City for a long time, and I couldn't, I couldn't train there for this fight. But uh, I'll always be there. I like to be there sometimes twice a week, once a week. I like to be with, with that group of people because they, they have a good energy, a good vibe, and they can help me. Rafael Cordeiro is uh, one of the best coaches in the world, so I can, he can help me a lot. Just a couple more things. Uh, you know, uh, recently people were saying Brazil MMA is, is dead. There's only one champion left. Now all of a sudden we have Verdum and we have, you know, obviously Aldo fighting next month, Bech Cohea is fighting. It, it has changed. Does that give you inspiration, motivation, like to see your friend win the belt two weeks before your fight? Does that give you a little extra push in the last days before your own fight? Of course, man, of course. Uh, it's 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 motivation. I mean, I'm eager for my fight, and when I see those guys training hard and, and get some victory, it just make me make me happy, make me feel good, make me feel better for uh, for my fight. Would you ever consider doing a jujitsu match like a Metamoris? I know you train with the Gracies. Um, is that something that interests you? Maybe. Who knows? Who knows in the in the future. As you like to do, maybe if you had a good offer, uh, I'll be there for sure. But I, I know that I have to keep my focus on submission fights and, and training more, training hard, training hard, and I'll be very well prepared. And I know you recently did a, a Reddit AMA, which is uh, which is amazing considering yeah. how far you've come as an English speaker. And we've talked about this before. I commend you greatly. Uh, what was that experience like for you? And what was the best question that you received? Oh my God! I, hey, hey, my because uh, to be honest, my teacher she 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 did the Reddit oh. uh, website. She asked me, Leoto, can I put that in website? I said for sure. So I I recorded a film and sent to there. Sent to there. They I got a lot of questions, about six hundred questions to train in my English. So I don't remember a lot, no, but I had a very, very questions, too many questions. So <laughs> questions about Homero, Rockhold, about my life. But then also I, I got so many letters to appreciate my job, you know, a lot of fans, and I was so happy. I'm happy for that. I want to see a new Leora Machida Acai video. I love when you teach us about Acai, preparing Acai. Can we see that? Yeah, for sure. For sure, but I have to talk to Hannah. Yeah. I have to talk to Hannah. Hannah, he's, he's, he's the best for us. <laughs> okay, la last question for you. Uh, I'm wondering, Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman, you know them very well. Who do you think wins that fight? Uh, it's hard to say who, who's going to win that fight because both of them has a strengths and weaknesses. I think Rookie Rockhold has a good ground game, and he knows how to fight standing up. 
So Chris Weidman has a good take, take, take downs and also has a good control on the ground. So it's very hard to say. I think who, bring, uh, who brings uh, better strategies is going to win this fight. Well, you have to pick a winner. You can't sit on the fence. Oh, my God. I, I, I pick for Weidman. Okay. You know, the UFC just signed someone named uh, Michelle Watterson. They call her the Karate Hottie. Have you heard of her? No, no. Well, her nickname is the Karate Hottie. She trains with Greg Jackson. In my opinion, you're the original Karate Hottie, Leona Machida. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, Ariel, that one was bad, bro. (laughs) <laughs> that's just my opinion that's just my opinion my friend uh i i wish you the best it is always <laughs> such a pleasure are you coming are you coming out of the closet right no now? i'm just saying look a, a man can say about another man i think he's a very good looking man i'm <laughs> I, i'm in awe of michi with the, especially when the beard is just a little short it's just nice i can say i'm very comfortable can i not say that ed <laughs> uh, well, hey you can say whatever you want man <laughs> Uh, Lioto, it is always a pleasure. Thank you so much. It means a lot to us that you would come on the show. I wish you the best of luck on June 27th against Yoel Romero. Can't wait for the fight, and good luck in the last few days of training. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate for that interview. Thank you. There he is, the original karate hottie himself, Lioto Machida, the dragon. June 27th, he fights Yoel Romero in Hollywood, Florida. And a lot of people have been asking me, why are there only five fights announced for this card. Well, the reason for that is it is the finale of the ultimate fighter, Brazil. You know, this card was supposed to take place in Brazil, and they moved it to Florida. It was supposed to, you know, the the, the tough finale of Black Suns versus ATT was going to happen there, which kind of made more sense in my opinion, but I don't think a lot of the tough guys are going to fight there, so it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Romero trains at ATT, Soldier of God, 9-1 and one returning. It's a, it's a very interesting match, a huge step up for Yoel Romero. I'm, uh, I'm curious to see how he responds. The other interesting fight on that card, Rick Story versus Eric Silva. The, uh, the UFC debut of Steve Bosse, Quebec's own, against Thiago Santos. So that's June 27th. It's on Fox Sports 1, the finale of The Ultimate Fighter Brazil. But, of course... Main event, the big one, Lioto Machida versus Yoel Romero. All right, let's go back to Berlin. Uh, on Saturday, it's uh, a UFC Fight Pass only card. Another interesting fight on the card, by the way. Old friend of the show, Makwan Amir Khani, also fighting on the card. Uh, the co main event is uh, a familiar one as well Dennis Seaver versus Tatsuya Kawajiri, Peter Sabato. Versus, uh, what's this? Stephen Kennedy also on the card. But the big one is the main event. And the main card, by the way, it airs live on Fight Pass at 3 p.m. The prelims also airing live on Fight Pass at 12 p.m. So if you're on the East Coast, you can just sit back and watch the whole damn thing on your computer. Hook it up to your TV. And for the first time in Fight Pass's short history, we're getting a title fight. How about that? The strawweight championship is on the line. Jessica Penne challenging the brand new champion, defending the title for the first time. Our guest at this time, Joanna Yaunjacek, and there it is. There's the belt. Joanna, how are you? Hi, hi guys. Yeah, here's my baby. Oh, I love it. 
Do you, do you ever leave it? Do you sleep with it? Oh, nice. Look what I have. What are those? Jordans. Yeah. What number are those? Uh, six or seven? 13. 13. Wow, it was later on. You're right. You're right. You know, I was, wondering, yeah. I was wondering about this. You're such a, and by the way, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, you're such a big sneakerhead. What's going to happen when the Reebok deal happens? You better. I'm happy that Reebok uh, um, is part of UFC. I'm very happy. I like it. But are, are you going to stop wearing Jordans? Uh, maybe. I will see. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Well, you know what I think? I, I think that they should sign you as one of their athletes. You're a big champion from Europe, uh, a new market for them. You deserve your own Reebok deal. Uh, yeah, I would like to, but uh, really see uh, big, big things will come. So, yeah, I'm focused on my fight sure. on Saturday. <laughs> so the last time we spoke to you was just a couple of days after you became the champion, and that wasn't all that long ago. It was around three months ago. How has life changed for you? You know, nothing changed. I am a champion and that's all. And, uh, you know, I've got more attention from people, from media, from fans. I've got more fans, more attention, but that's all, you know. I, I still have my my good life in Poland, you know, as before. But uh, now I am uh, working uh, more hard than before. Do you have a lot of people who maybe weren't talking to you before you were a champion who now come out and want to be your friend, who want to be associated with you? Do you, do you get that? Uh, yeah, 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 I think so. But, how, do you, how do you deal you with know, that? I, I have my family around me, my boyfriend, my sisters, and uh, it, it's very important for me, yeah. What about all the media attention? Do you like that? Yeah, I, I like it so much. I like it so much, and I feel good behind the camera, so I, I don't have problems with it, so I'm happy. I like it. I like this part of my job. Yes, it's the easy part. So you last fought in March, like I said. So three months later, you're defending the title for the first time. It's it's a pretty uh, quick turnaround. And, of course, this card originally was Alexander Gustafsson versus Glover Teixeira, but then Alex got injured and they put you right in there. Were you were you hoping to return this soon, or did you prefer having a little more time off? You know, before I got the phone call from my manager uh, seven weeks ago, I was asking him uh, about my next fight, and uh, if he got some informations from UFC, uh, but he didn't. And and uh, in the evening time, seven weeks ago, he called me and he asked me if I, if I would like to fight in Germany because uh, Gustafsson got injured. And I said yes, uh, and I'm very happy that I can fight in Europe. But of course, I, I like to fight in US more, but uh, I'm happy that I can give part of me for my family and European fans. Why do you prefer to, I mean, Germany is so close to, to Poland. It's a very quick trip for you. Why would you prefer to fight in the US? You know, it's something different. You know, I'm a champion and, and you know, like people know me, but not really, you know, but in America, it's something different. You can, you can feel the atmosphere, the different atmosphere. Uh, people gonna uh, show you that you are a champion and it's something different, you know. I, I always have good feelings in America and I like it so much, you know. And I've got more attention from uh, U.S. fans than, uh, than Polish or Europea European so my my next fight gonna be in the U.S. Oh, okay, is there a city in particular that you want to fight in? 
And no, but I would like to fight uh, maybe on the end of the year, December. Would be nice. Maybe in Las Vegas. Oh. That would be something. The fight capital. Yeah, like... uh, yeah, why not? Uh, obviously, there's a long history between Poland and Germany. How do you feel about fighting in Germany? Yeah, I like it so much. You know, life is different now. So um, I like it so much. Yeah, that's all what I can say. I, I'm, very, I'm very happy that I'm going to fight uh, in Germany. Like you said, it's very close to Poland. So my father going to be there, my boyfriend, my sisters, my friends. I'm very happy, you know. So Jessica, before this fight was announced, wasn't really on the radar. She had a fight booked for Brazil, and uh, a lot of people weren't talking about her in the title picture. What was your reaction when you found out that it was going to be Jessica, your next opponent? she's pretty good fighter and she's number three uh, in the ranking so I think she's the right person you know uh, so I'm very happy it's gonna be very interesting fight for for me for her and for for you yeah why do you think it's gonna be interesting because I'm very good I'm a champion and Jessica she's she's got a lot lots of experience and she's quite good fighter like I said and I think, you know, she want to be a champion. I am a champion. And it's not going to be easy for her to get the belt from me. And, uh, yeah, that's why. <laughs> I, I saw yesterday on your Instagram. By the way, it's a very entertaining Instagram. So I, I urge everyone to follow. You were eating a big bowl of uh, penne pasta. I, I cannot eat pasta right now. Or you pretended but, to eat it. Uh, my brother-in-law, he, he cooked himself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You know, the fight week is coming, so right picture. Sure, I liked it. Um, she responded to you. Did you see her response? Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah, what yeah. She, uh, she put up a picture of like this uh, kind of, I don't know, this character saying every time she sees the way you face off, it reminds her of this character. A not, a, a not flattering picture, to be, to be honest with you. So she has seen your picture and responded, so clearly uh, the, the, the message was sent. So I didn't see it, but I like it, you know. I like this game before the fight. Yes, you're, you're one of the best at it. You know, it's interesting because when you fought Carla, you had many opportunities to face off with her before the fight, but this time you guys haven't really seen each other. Once you do face off with her later on this week, are you going to try to do the same thing, you know, get in her face and, and try to break her mentally? You know, uh, I'm not acting, you know. Mm -hmm. Everything is very natural, you know. So I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I'm going to be quiet, girl. Maybe, I don't know. I, I don't like trash talk, you know. But uh, when you're preparing for the fight, uh, you're preparing for, for your opponent. Uh, you know, I, I have respect to all of them, but still I hate them, you know, because I must fight them. So, but yeah, I, I, I like them all. <laughs> Recently, we had her on the show, and I asked her about the fight. I asked her how she expects it to go down, and I want to play you the clip and get your response, okay? Say again? I'm going to play you a clip of Jessica on my show a couple of weeks ago talking about the fight, and then we'll get your oh, response, yeah. okay? Here it is. Here's Jessica Penne on the MMA Hour just a couple of weeks ago. How do you beat her? Well, like, what's, what's the biggest hole in her game, in your opinion? Um, I'm going to submit her. You are? You yes. think the ground game? Her takedown defense yes. looked good against Carla. I'm not that kind of grappler. Mm -hmm. Do you foresee an early submission, a late submission? I just see a submission. Very confident. She's going to submit you. 
What's your response? I'm coming, Jessica. You didn't have uh, you didn't have that that good opponent uh, in the cage, and you're gonna feel the Polish power. Oh my! I'm coming. I'm coming. There it is. Is it heavy? And I'm coming. <laughs> is is it a heavy belt? What would you say? Sorry. I'm coming for you, Jessica. It's message. It's message to her. You know. Okay, I think she. I'm really champion. <laughs> is it safe to say she's never fought anyone on your level? Yeah, it's true. How heavy is the belt? Very heavy, you know. But the preparations were more heavy than the belt. But mm -hmm. it's very heavy. <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> do you feel? Do you feel? You know, Carlos Barza spoke about this. Uh, there's a saying: "Heavy is the head that wears the crown." Like when when you become the champion, things change. There's more pressure, more spotlight. Do you feel that going into the fight? I I do not feel it. You know, like I said, uh, I was dreaming about it, and even before I was fighting uh, Muay Thai, I was dreaming about the biggest trophies. You know. And I was six times a uh, world champion, Muay Thai world champion, and six times uh, European Muay Thai champion. So now it's time for MMA for, for the biggest um, things. So I am UFC champion. There is nothing better than UFC, you know? So you know what I mean? Like, it's more difficult to be a champion because you must run away. Uh, you must be focused every day, uh, train hard. But I like it so much, you know. I am a hard worker, and I like it so much. Right after your win, you were there in Poland when the UFC made its uh, debut in Poland. You were sitting in the front row, and the little-known Marina Moroz was calling you out. She pulled off a big upset win over Joanne Calderwood, and then you guys really got into it. It was a great scene. What did you make of what she did in the cage as a fighter? And then when she was calling you out, what was your, what was your take on that? You know what? Uh... Jojo was supposed to win this fight, but she wasn't there. She got some uh, private pro problems, mm -hmm. and uh, but I think she could win this fight. But I wish uh, Jojo will be back, and she gonna put on great show in Glasgow uh, next month. But yeah, Marina Moros, uh, exactly. She didn't. She didn't know uh, what what she was doing. You know what I mean? Her manager, he was like pushing her and he let her do it but uh, I knew it you know I, I said to my boyfriend he was sitting next to me it's like look gonna be some funny uh, <laughs> some funny circus right now and she was uh, she find me and she was starting to doing some trash talk but you know they, they cannot push me you know they can they can fight with me in the in the cage but they cannot push me you know I'm not this person and so I just stand up and, yeah, I just talk to her. I just respond to her that I'm ready for her and I can I can fight with her right now, you know. Did you tell that to the Did you say to Sean Shelby after, I want to fight this person to shut her up? No. No. That's not no, your job. Yeah. Do you think she's on your level? No, no. She, no. <laughs> she should go to the line, you know, and wait. I don't know if you know this, but... Connor was shouting, Arai, Arai. What does that mean? Arai? Yeah. Go back to your line, yeah? Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the UFC just signed Jessica Aguilar, which a lot of people uh, yeah, think she's number one. I heard. 
you, Toda parte do casal chega de lá, é? Yeah, in, uh, in Brazil. Uh, first off, what do you think of her as a fighter? And second of all, do you think that the winner of that fight will be next for you as champion? I don't know. Probably yes, but I don't know. Uh, Rose is coming to Berlin. Maybe UFC wants her to, to be next challenger. But uh, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I'm going to fight with everyone. And uh, I understand that. And I, I'm going to accept uh, every opponent. And uh, But if uh, UFC wants make Aguilar or Gadella challenger, I'm I, I going to fight with them. Sorry, who did you say is coming to? I want to be there August 1st in in oh. Brazil. Oh, I like that. Um, I'm sure they'll make that happen. Who's coming to Berlin, you said? Uh, Rose Naimunas. Oh, you think she... Uh, I don't know if they'll give her a shot. Maybe. I mean, she didn't fight. Yeah, she... She's coming like a special guest, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, people are talking around, but I don't know. Probably it's going to be Gadella or Aguilar. But I think Gadella going to uh, win with Aguilar. Oh, really? Why? Yeah, the, the best female fighters are in UFC. Mm -hmm. Is that something you want because it was such a close fight? Do you want to, you know, uh, quiet all the critics who say that maybe she should have won that fight? Yeah, sure. I would like to fight with uh, Gadella one more time and I will show to everyone that I am simply the best. Let me ask you just a couple more questions. I'll let you go, and I appreciate the time. What's the coolest thing that happened to you since you became champion? Someone recognized you. Uh, you, you received this honor. What, what's something that really you could have never imagined, but now it happened because you're a UFC champion? Anything come to mind? Mm, no, no, no. I'm very happy that uh, people around me are, are happy, so we are all happy. That's all. <laughs> How many pairs of shoes did you buy since you became champion? Few. <laughs> ten? No, more. More? No, maybe ten. Okay, maybe ten. Okay, ten, be, ten, ten would be okay. What's the best one? The, cr the crown jewel? The last one. I've got, I've got them today. Oh, wow. Con congratulations. What's, yeah. what's the, the, if you had the most amount of money in the world, the number one shoe that you would buy? Like, no matter the price... Is there one that is your dream shoe? I think uh, I could get uh, Air Max One Amsterdam. And I, I would like to buy it for my boyfriend because he likes it so much. And I think I'm going to make present for him oh. in, in the future. But because, he, yeah, I, I like this model, Air Max One Amsterdam. It's very nice. I like it so much. Does he know that you're going to buy this for him? Well, I would like to, and he knows that I, I, I could buy it for him, but, you know. How much are when they? We gonna, when when we're going to get married, then I will buy it for him. Oh, that's like, nice. Like a, like a, yeah, uh, like a present, gift. Are, are you engaged right now? No, not oh. yet. Maybe after the win on Saturday. No. It's a little too early. No, not yet, not yet. <laughs> well, sometimes it's not up to you. Maybe he's going to ask you. You never know. Yeah, we don't know. How long have you been together? Five years. Oh, so he's known you before you became a star because I don't want someone to come in here, you know, trying to jump yeah. on the bandwagon. Yeah, he supports me. He's supporting me every day, so I'm very happy. How do you beat Jessica on Saturday? What? How are you going to beat her? Uh, I don't know. I'm ready for five rounds uh, fight, but uh, you know, 
I've got some new aces in my pocket, and oh. she's gonna be surprised, really. Wow, I can't. You want to give us a hint on these aces? Any any hints? No. No. All right. But something better. Okay. I cannot tell you more. It is a it is a pleasure as always. Thank you so much. I I really love having you on the show. Good luck in the fight. I'm looking forward to it very much. Jessica Penne versus the UFC strawweight champion, Joanna Jacek. And by the way, people are starting to figure out how to say your name here. We don't have to call you Joanna Champion anymore. Yeah, Joanna Champion, is, it's okay. You like that too? Jacek is too difficult. But I'm coming, guys, to to US. I'm coming to New York on the end of June. Then I'm coming to Las Vegas for the, the UFC Expo Aldo Five, And I'm going to give some seminar in, in Las Vegas. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you have any information you want to share with anyone? And not yet, but uh, but uh, you should check my Facebook, my Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you are MMA, and that's all. Yeah, and uh, you know you're going to be in Las Vegas, so I'm assuming maybe you'll check out Invicta as well, right? Yeah, I will be there probably. Maybe when you're in New York, you'll come visit us in the studio here. Sure, why not? Why not? And you should go to Flight Club in New York, the best shoe store in the world. I will. All right. We can go together. We can go together. That'll be fun. Uh, I appreciate the time very much. Good luck in the fight. Thank you so much. Bye. There she is, the UFC strawweight champion, Joanna Jacek, defending her title for the first time on Saturday in Berlin. Big fight for her. Kind of came out of left field. I think a lot of people weren't expecting Jessica Penne to to be, you know, one fight away. Remember, she was supposed to fight uh, Juliana Lima May 30th. In Brazil, and then once the Glover Teixeira Alexander Gustafson fight was scrapped, they uh, they switched things up, and I think it makes a lot of sense, obviously, to put Jan Jacek, who's from Poland, fighting in Berlin. And as my good friend John Gooden reminds me, it's also it's not only the first title fight on Fight Pass in the short history of UFC Fight Pass; it's also the first title fight, UFC title fight for. The great broadcast team of John Gooden and Dan Hardy. And speaking of my mate, John Gooden, who is probably taking a bath right now as he's listening to this fine show, um, he just launched his own podcast, which I listened to Friday in Mexico City as I was sweating away on the elliptical. I ran uh, a whole half mile. It was fantastic. Anyhow, um, his new podcast is called UFC Octagon Side, and I think a lot of the fans who listen to us from the UK, from Europe, from Europe will enjoy this podcast very much because it, it has a, a slant towards the European market. And uh, he's had some, uh, some great interviews, and uh, I, I like his voice very much. I think he's going to have a very successful podcast, so I want to wish him the best and congratulate him on the launch of his podcast, UFC Octagon Side. That is our good friend, John Gooden. In a minute, hopefully, we are going to be joined by Eddie Alvarez, who, as we talked earlier with Mark Ramundi, picked up a big win Saturday in Mexico City. As I told Gilbert Melendez when I saw him in the, uh, in the lobby afterwards, I really think Eddie Alvarez won that fight in the final minute of the second round. Very clear that the first round went to Gilbert Melendez. In my opinion, pretty clear that the third round went to Eddie Alvarez. The second round was, was pretty close, but then in the last minute, 
excuse me, in the last minute, Eddie Alvarez took the fight to the ground. He landed an elbow, which a spinning elbow, which actually cut Melendez open. And I really think he stole the round. And ultimately, I think that won him the fight. And this is something that wasn't really mentioned on the broadcast. And I didn't even see it on Twitter. Eddie Alvarez, who has been in the sport since December of 2003 as a pro, who has now fought 30 times professionally, who had to work so hard to not only gain acceptance and recognition and respect in the MMA community, but also to just get to the UFC, had to fight through so much. Finally, on Saturday night in Mexico City, finally, 11 and a half years later, he won his first UFC fight. An amazing story. A well-deserved win. And now he's joining us on the phone. Eddie, are you there? Yeah, what up, Ariel? Congratulations, my friend. We didn't get to see each other after the fight. I want to wish you a congratulations because what a performance, what a win it was. You really had to dig down deep. How, how difficult was it for you to actually pick up that win? Because honestly, I got to admit, after that first round with your eye almost completely shut, I, w- I was worried. I, I, I was thinking, man, this, this, is, a, this is a tough, tough uh, hand to deal with if you're Eddie Alvarez. Uh, I was concerned too. Um, honestly, I kind of owe, I kind of owe a lot, a lot of it to Henry Hooft, who was in my corner that night. Um, he kept my head straight, kept me in the fight, even in the like in the wake of, you know, I was kind of in, in my own head. I, I was panicking and getting a little nervous because I just couldn't see. So um, he kept he kept me, you know, not thinking too much and. And pushed me back out there and told me to keep going. That, that I'm I'm ready for whatever. And uh, kind of owe it to him that I was able to stick in there and, and stay with it. So in the first round, he hit you with a big elbow to the face that messed up your eye. But then, in between the round, you blew your nose, which actually led to your eye, you know, essentially closing shut. What were you thinking? Did you forget that? Did you not know how severe the injury was? Because because I wonder if it would have happened that way had you not blown your nose. I didn't, I didn't feel like, I didn't know the damage I had. I didn't feel like I had any damage. Um, it turns out, uh, my, my nose and my orbital are both broken. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that I, I was, uh, I didn't feel anything. I didn't, I just thought oh, I got hit with a shot. No big deal. I was blowing my nose as if, as if I would at practice. It wasn't something that I recognized until my eye completely shot. It almost happened instantly. I, I blew it, and then uh, the eye blew up, and I, I, like, right away, my heart started racing. I couldn't see anything. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not super happy with what went on. I'm, I want to I put that out there. I'm, I'm not happy with my performance. Um, my training that I did, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't add up to what I did out there. Um, that night, I was ready to be dominant. I was ready to do a lot more than what I did, but something bad happened, and I needed to adapt. That was that was the situation there. How much did the elevation bother you? Uh, I didn't feel the elevation um, much, but I was I was worried because um, I was watching every one of the fights before, and I was watching a lot of the fighters who I know are conditioned. I was watching them dump out like pretty quickly. So I told my corners before I went out, Hey, if I, if I start to get ahead of myself, you know, keep me, keep me, uh, not going too crazy because, um, I know, I know a lot of guys, uh, who are very well conditioned and I just seen them, I seen them dumping out in the, 
probably the beginning of the second round, most of them were, were starting to feel it. So it was, uh, it was a little scary making that walk to a place that you pretty much know you're going to get out if you, uh, if you try to fight your normal fight. Do you think it affected Gil? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really not. I think, um, I didn't know if it was the, the pressure of the wrestling, why he was, why he was, uh, sort of losing the spirit a little bit or it was the altitude. I, I'm not sure, but I definitely felt like once I started wrestling a little more and once I started putting him against the cage, I, I felt like I was starting to gain the upper hand and, uh, starting to, to, uh, break his spirit a little bit. So, um, it could have been a mixture of both, like just because I know when I'm against a guy who who's like a demon uh, against the cage, it's really tough to deal with. It, it, it takes a lot of energy out of you just defending. So um, I've been on the other end of that down in Florida, and uh, it stinks. Do you agree with me that ultimately the fight was won in the last minute of the second round? I think you stole the round with the takedown and the spinning elbow. I think you won the third. Obviously, the first went to him. But when you look back at the fight, I really think that's where you won the fight. Do you agree? Uh, I, I kind of do. I kind of do. I think uh, the, second, the second was close, but the fact that I was able to uh, hit him with that elbow, and I think he got a little stunned. Um, with the elbow, it, it looked bad. The judges probably seen it as, you know, as, as something, something good on my favor. But uh, look, I'm, I'm not happy. I know fan, fans weren't thrilled. That's not the performance that I, I look forward to. That's not the performance that I put my name on when I go out there. But I, I was a guy trying to survive and trying to, trying to do my best to stay in a fight that I probably should have been out of because I. With my the, my eye the way it was, I couldn't. I didn't know where he was. I didn't know whether he was three foot from me or five foot from me. Wow. Or a foot away from me. So I, I think I threw a check hook at some point, and the guy was nowhere near me. And I kind of laughed at myself during the fight because I, I just, I didn't. My range was way off because I can only see out of my back eye. Have you ever experienced? Anything like that in a fight, like that kind of adversity where you actually could not see? No, no, not, not with one eye completely shut and couldn't gauge distance and, and was still like up and running. No, not like that. I've, I've been hit with shots where I went out completely for like a second and then pop back, pop back into it. But I never was like still alive, still fighting and just completely you know, disoriented by, by the range and what's where my opponent was. In your mind, are you like, holy crap, you know, how do I, how do I overcome this? Like, we watch the fight and we see it, but we don't know what's going on. And you're able to, you know, you're, you, you, you fighters are so stone-faced and you're so determined. But what, what is the dialogue, if any, that is going on in your mind when you realize that you have to fight this man, a rival of yours, in a huge fight for you, essentially with one eye? I think you got to fight your own dialogue. I think when, when your mind's trying to tell you anything, you just tell it to shut the fuck up <laughs> because, because your mind is the first thing. I mean, I feel like your mind like kind of just starts messing with you and telling you like, you know, quit, you know, it's like telling you you're not, you're not ready for this or, or you're, you know, this isn't right. It's, once something gets uncomfortable, it's real easy to just say, all right, I'm, I'm done. But, uh, you kind of got to shut off any emotion or any thought that's going on and just 
you know, put there, do what you were put there for, and that's the fight. And, and anything else is just sort of a distraction, I guess. So, so, so to confirm, you actually did, in fact, break your nose and your orbital. Yeah, that, that first shot in the, um, that elbow that he got me with, that, that fractured my nose and orbital. Um, and that, that's what caused my, um, once I blew my, blew my nose, um, that's what caused my eye to swell. It was just basically one shot that, that fucking messed my whole face up, that, that big elbow. And how much did it bother you throughout the fight in the sense that you're actually getting punched right there? You're getting punched in your face, uh, your nose, your eye. I mean, w- w- was, it, was it unbelievably painful every time he punched you? Yeah, I was, um, you know, I was just trying to adapt, man. I just, I was really, I think what he felt was probably that I was like um, a guy with his back against the wall. And that's, it. that's how I felt. So I think I, at that point I became more dangerous than what I would have been if I didn't have it. Because mm. if he was to step in the pocket, I was going to throw stuff that was basically like a guy who was willing to die because, that's how I felt. I felt like very, you know, I was, I was a little bit nervous, uh, you know, for my own safety. So that kind of put me, it kind of put Gil at a, maybe a more of a dangerous situation because of how, how nervous I was. And that, that's, um, I've been there. I've been in the fight with guys who are scared and sometimes they're the most dangerous guys because, um, they just, they throw everything. They throw every caution or wind. I guess that's uh, that's where I was at at that point in the fight because of the damage that I that I that I sustained. And considering those injuries, uh, did they try to convince you to stay in Mexico and not fly home? I know you're home in Philly now, but that's pretty serious stuff to be flying with, no? Yeah, I was I was I was a little bit nervous about getting on a plane and dealing with the air pressure. I thought that it would really like hurt my head, but I, not nothing nothing went on. I flew I flew pretty easily um, without too much without uh, too, like, too much being too uncomfortable. My elbow is really swollen um, from the spinning elbow. I, um, they check for any fractures. There's no fractures. It's just like a softball on my elbow, so I don't know. I might need to get MRI on that. Hmm. That's, that's more painful than anything, like, than, more than my nose and my, my eye and stuff. My, my elbow is bugging oh. me. Uh, do you have to have surgery on the nose or eye? I don't believe so. Um, I asked them in Mexico, and they said no, but um, I'm definitely not going to take their word for it. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get checked here in America and <laughs> see, what, see what they got to say. At any point were you thinking, I know we were talking about the dialogue, but at any point were you thinking, man, I mean, th- I- I'm staring at you know two losses in a row. I've worked so hard to get to this point. Were you thinking about what was at stake or just the task at hand? Just the task at hand. Never, never... The, the idea for me, like when I get in the cage period, is to rid myself of any thought of any emotion, because I never, I never ever felt anything in there that helped me, like ever. I never felt or thought anything that helped me. Um, so, like any time, like a, a feeling or an or or a thought pops up, I kind of just try to tell myself to shut up or tell myself that I'm not allowed to feel anything, because. Um, that's where I think things start going bad for you. I think it's just you're not in there to think or feel. You're in there to fight. That's that's the deal. And so after the fight, 
even despite the fact that you guys had your history, it seemed like you were pretty cool with each other. It seemed like there was actually some respect shown. Were you happy with the way it ended? I, I wasn't happy with the fight. Okay. I, I I wasn't happy with the fight. I but there there's definitely things that 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 can't happen again. Um, that I'm, that I definitely need I need to work on. I wasn't happy with my performance that night. I am happy with my resilience. I am happy with my ability to adapt in a, in a bad situation. There are things that I am happy with, but my performance in general, I, how I trained and how I was ready didn't add up to what I did that night. And that's what I'm sort of uh, upset about myself with. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll make the proper adjustments in, in um, my training and make sure when I go out there and I train that hard again, that I'm dominant and I'm, I'm not not making, you know, simple mistakes that I feel like I made. How confident were you, though, that they were actually going to score it for you? Uh, well, my when I went back to my corner, I was very confident. But before I went to my corner after the fight, I, I, I'm not good at gauging a fight, period. I'm, I'm just not good at it. I always assume in a fight that I'm losing. And I know that about myself, so I never, ever take my word for it. Um, I always, even when I'm dominant in rounds, I feel like I'm losing for some reason. I, I just know I'm like that, so I never take my word. I always ask my corner. And when I went back to my corner, they were all, like, super confident that I, that I won the fight. And um, what I said to Henry was um, he was so confident. I'm like, yo, don't be surprised, dude, because we're, we're in Mexico. And he said, no, not, there's no way. There's no chance that they're not giving it to you. So after I heard that from Henry, Henry's – pretty honest he, he don't like kind of bullshit so um after he told me that i was i was uh, confident that we we had to win it was such an interesting fight on paper there was so much excitement all that stuff but i really think people forgot that after all that time you know in this sport 11 and a half years 30 fights that you finally got your first ufc win have you been able to step back and enjoy that i mean after all this after everything you've been through you finally got that first win in the octagon that has to be a special thing it, 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 yeah, it is. It, de- it definitely is. But uh, you know, <laughs> I, it wasn't. It wasn't the night that I had in my head. That's that's what. Uh, that's the only thing I. Um, you know, it wasn't the night that I had in my head. I, what I had in my head was to go out there, and what I trained for was to go out there and be dominant. And I, and I wasn't. And I dealt. I dealt. You know, I dealt with some things. You know, I did some things good, but I did a lot of things that should never happen. I did some things bad. So. Um, I got my first UFC win. Uh, I'm happy about that. I'm happy, you know, I was able to beat a guy who, you know, he fought in two title fights and, and he's been, he's, he's did his fair share of things. My, I have a ton of respect for Gilbert. I always have. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy, but, uh, definitely, uh, don't, I'm not going to deny that. I, I got some work to do and I got some adjustments to make. Did something happen between you and Nate Diaz on Friday before the fight? Uh, yeah, 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 after, you know, I, I, I've been, uh, like Nick and Nick and me, um, we've always been pretty cool. I've seen them at other promotions. Um, we, we crossed paths in, in dream before and Nick offered me, you see my nose bleeding one time, offered me some medicine to help out. Like see, they always seem like, like super respectful, nice, nice dudes and uh even even nick uh cool with him but like when i went there to mexico 
um, Nate just kind of changed his tune completely. Like, I guess that's um, that's how he is when you're fighting one of his teammates. And I, I, I get it. You know, he he takes this shit personally, takes it serious. I, I get I get it, but um, it, it was just kind of weird for someone to be kind of cool with you, and then, like, out of nowhere, they're, uh, they're looking at you hard, like, every time they see you and shit. So I kind of confronted him about it, and in after weigh-ins, I, I went up to him. I said, yo, like, uh, what, the, what the fuck's going on? Like, I've always been cool with you and your brother. Like, what, what, what do you keep looking at me like this for? And uh, he sort of looked at the ground. He wasn't looking at my face, and he sort of was explaining himself, like, uh, well, um, well, you're fighting my boy and this and that. So, like, and then he looked up at me and was like, so, like, fuck you. So I was like, well, so, like, fuck you, too. What the fuck? And I said, if, you, if you're really, like, going to be like that, then you're fucking next. Like, what, what are you being like that for? It was, it was really stupid. Like, as if I have something personal against Gilbert Melendez. I don't know Gilbert Melendez. I can never have anything personal against him. I was there for a check, just like every other fighter there. Like, I, I didn't pick out Gilbert Melendez. I got a bout agreement in the mail saying I'm fighting Gilbert Melendez next. So I signed it. Like, I'm, I don't have any personal issues with anybody in the lightweight division ever. I, I'm there for a check just like everyone else. And then he says some dumb shit like that and is looking at me. I'm just like, it's foolish. It's like, it's really stupid. So if, that, if that's what gets him to the fight and gets him riled up and then whatever, I... He just hasn't been fighting, and I think he's he has a lot of pent up stuff or whatever his deal is. But um, it, it's whatever. I, it, it happened, and it's over with. So, is that what you want next? I, 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 I if he was if he was like if he was ranked higher, um, I, you know, Gilbert's number four, and I and I really like besides Gilbert, I had I really didn't have anybody care about to fight. Um, I would really like to just try to get closer to the title, fight either three, two, or one, and get closer to a title shot. Um, he'd honestly be a step backwards right now, and considering he hasn't been active, it just don't really make sense. But I'm, I'm not, I never pick fights. If I get a bout agreement in the mail, I'll sign it. I'm just letting you know that. I, I, I'll never be a guy ever, ever, and my word is my bond. When I get a bad agreement from a promotion, from a promotion who employs me and, and, and gives me a check, when I get that bad agreement in the mail, we're signing it. I'm not, I'm not saying no to anybody. So I don't, ever, I don't ever pick fights with anyone, but just know that if I ever get a bad agreement, Glenn ever gets a bad agreement and says, you know, um, the promotion would like you to fight X or whoever it is, I'm signing it. I'm not, there's, there is no if, ands, or buts. So... It is what it is. And do you think these injuries will keep you out for the rest of the year? Do you have any idea when you can come back at this point? I'm not feeling out the rest of the year. No way. Okay. No way. I'm going to enjoy, enjoy the summer with my kids. Um, I've been away for three months, so I definitely want to enjoy the summer. And uh, But I'm definitely going to be working out during the summer as well and uh, staying prepared and, and being I'll be active. I, I don't know what I, if I'm suspended or what I'm suspended for, but whatever that time is, I'm sure there's no way it's going to keep me out the whole rest of the year. I want to fight again. 
Final question for you, Eddie. And again, I really appreciate the time. I know you just got back home. You're with your family. Uh, this means a lot to us. Thank you. What was it like when you got to see your family for the first time in, in, in months after that kind of win? You're, you're, you're busted up. You had to travel a long way to get the win. What was that reunion like? Uh, unbelievable. I'm, I'm still, even today, my brother came over. Um, I had a few friends come over. We're chilling out on my deck, having a drink. And um, there's just certain points of the day where I just, I'm just full of gratitude. I'm, I'm, I'm just so fucking happy that I'm through the roof just to be home. I, I, whether I, I, if I lost the fight, then I, yeah, sure. I'd be bummed out, but just to be back here with my kids again, it's, I, I'm just, I, I have nothing more to say. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm happy. And uh, I'd rather be nowhere else in the world right now. Yeah. No more sleeping on the cot, at least for now. Right. No more, yeah, no more sleeping on the side of the living room on the cot. I, I, lo I love my dudes. I love Carrington Banks, Sean Soriano, Abel, and, and Erwin. I love them. They all know I love them, but uh, definitely happy to be back home. <laughs> Well, you know, for, for people who have been watching you and a fan of yours for a long time, regardless of, you know, at the end of the day, who you think won the fight, just, just to see you after everything right. you've been through over the last couple of years to finally get that first UFC win, a pretty cool moment, a real special moment. I know no one was happier than you and your family. Again, congratulations, and thanks for coming on the show, and, and, and heal up. Feel better. Enjoy that, uh, that Philly summer, and uh, can't wait to see you back in there. I appreciate it, Ariel. All right. Thank you, guys. There he is, Eddie Alvarez kind enough to give us a few minutes of his time after a huge win for him in Mexico City, picking up his very first win inside the octagon, a long time coming. And I know some people were disappointed uh, with the fight. Uh, they, they were battling several factors. They were battling, obviously, the altitude. I, I do think it affected at least Gilbert. And, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you get injured like that, things change. The fight changes. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, thankfully for Eddie, they didn't stop the fight. You know, that, that could have been a real, you know, situation to deal with. They didn't stop the fight. He was able to persevere. And after all this time, and when I talk about all this time and everything he's been through, you know, the lawsuit with Bellator and being on the sideline, let's not forget, this is a guy who the last time Eddie Alvarez won was November 2nd, 2013. That's a long time ago when he defeated Michael Chandler at Bellator 106. So again, a long time coming. And prior to that, his last win was October of 2012. Since 2012, just two wins since that win over Patricky Pitbull. Of course, lost his debut, but now very much back in the mix. And I will reiterate, I do believe Gilbert Melendez is 100%. I don't even believe, I know. Gilbert Melendez is a top 10 fighter. He has nothing to worry about, at least in my opinion. All right, we'll talk about 188 a little more uh, later on in the show. But for now... Let's go to uh, a little bit of breaking news. I was approached earlier in the morning about having Titan FC's CEO, Jeff Aronson, their COO, Lex McMahon, a uh, longtime friend of the program, to uh, come on this particular show to announce some big news regarding the future of Titan FC. So now let us go to the Skype machine and welcome in Lex McMahon on screen left. Jeff Aronson on screen right, sporting some pretty snazzy Titan FC t-shirts. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing great, man. Doing hey, great. How are, you? how are you? You know, we got to represent, bro. I, I like it. 
I like it very much. You know, I saw you uh, in in uh, Mexico, Lex, and uh, when I saw you in the lobby of the hotel, you were just, you know, dressing regular clothes. You you know, you, you looked normal. You were going to the fight for Nate Marquardt, of course. And then later on, on Twitter, I happened to see a picture of you and UFC President Dana White, you wearing a Titan FC shirt, a different one, and he's pointing. You guys have huge smiles on your faces, and then that was it. Nothing else. So the floor is yours, either you or Jeff. What is going on between you and obviously the UFC. Yeah, man. Well, listen, I, I thank you for the opportunity, uh, Ariel. As always, like you said, you've been a big friend of uh, you know us personally and, and uh, our organizations. So, you know, we appreciate the time to chat with you. Um, yeah, you know, listen, had a great relationship with, with uh, the UFC and with Dana, and it was a great opportunity to, to kind of tease the news a little bit. You know, hey, listen, you got to market things a little sure. bit and build some anticipation. Um, but you know, Jeff, uh, a while ago said, listen, I think that we should really be looking at the right place to be. And, you know, the UFC and fight pass seemed like a great platform. And, uh, you know, we reached out to them and had a great conversation and a dialogue. And the next, you know, thing, you know, over some time, we, we developed a relationship. And so I'm really proud to announce that Titan FC will be moving to fight pass platform. Uh, we're proud to partner with the UFC and uh, looking forward to you know putting on uh, eight to ten great events with them every year for a very long time to come. So Jeff, let me ask you this: um, as far as the particulars go, and again, congratulations on that very big news for your promotion. When does this deal kick in? Because I know you have a show uh, very very soon in in Montreal. Yeah. So the show the uh, the. Deal will kick off July 18th in Montreal, headlined by Pat Healy and Mike Ricci. And that's for your, so your that'll lightweight be the title, show. right? That'll be on what, that'll be for the lightweight title, yep. And I know you guys have had a, a deal with CBS Sports Network. Uh, is that deal no more? Yeah, you know, listen, it was it was a, the the proper time for us to, to move, move on. Uh, and start the next chapter of, of the uh, Titan FC legacy. And, you know, we're excited to do that with the UFC and Fight Pass. Jeff, out of curiosity, were there any discussions of Zufa purchasing Titan FC? Now, right now, it's just going to be a, uh, a distribution deal, uh, national and international, uh, Fight Pass and, and TV as well. And why did you feel like this was the best place for the organization? I think, uh, you know, we've dealt, you know, through all our years in the business and we've been in the business for a long time with Alchemist. You know, we've, deal, we've dealt with every single promotion in the country um, and probably in the world. And to see the way everybody else does business versus how Zufa does business, it was a natural fit. And to be able to make the groundbreaking type of deal that we did um, with them, which is, which is just an incredible platform for us to do, I think it made all the sense in the world for us to take it to the next level of what we're trying to do. Jeff, you, you, you mentioned the, the, the word groundbreaking. Why is this a groundbreaking deal? Of course, you know, Invicta has a deal with Fight Pass, Shudo recently signed one. Why is this one different? Um, I think as, as time comes out, news will come out, but there's, there's a lot more components to this deal. It's a, a really in-depth deal, and we're really looking forward to this relationship. I mean, it's really, really a phenomenal relationship. Yeah, and I think, you know, Ariel, the, the key is, uh, you know, Zufa's proved to be a great partner uh, with with all their uh, other partners on Fight Pass. I think, you know, what we're looking uh, towards and what we're excited about 
is that they really are treating this as a partnership as opposed to just a, a product, you know, kind of uh, distribution deal. You know, it, we're providing some great content for them, uh, but they're really stepping up to the plate in a major way with a lot of marketing support. And, and you know, we're being considered one of their tentpole properties. Um, you know, and what better partner to have than, uh, you know, the 800-pound gorilla, the, yeah. the number one fight promotion business, you know. Listen, if I'm going to have someone go to bat for me, it's going to be Dana White and Lorenzo <laughs> Fatita. You know, those are the guys you want for you. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm blessed that I have a great relationship with, with Dana and that, that he's been a fan and supporter of, of uh, Titan uh, since we came, came about. And I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to, to work with him. I think Titan, it's going to be great for Titan's athletes and it's going to be great for the organization. Does that mean if I'm watching a, uh, a UFC broadcast, we'll see an ad for an upcoming Titan show on Fight Pass? Will, will that kind of integration happen? You're, I think you're going to see a really high level of integration. I think what you just suggested is is definitely part of what you're going to be seeing. Um, that and a lot more. I think there's going to be a lot more than that as well. So I think as this plays out over the course of the next few weeks, the next few days, you'll start seeing a lot more, and, and uh, it'll keep building because um, there's a lot of stuff going to happen over the next X amount of time. Jeff, let me ask you a little more about that relationship because you've, you know, you've talked to me about this as has Lex about that good relationship with the UFC and having that Zufa out clause, you know, that main event you just mentioned, Mike Ricci and Pat Healy, two former UFC fighters. Is there a chance now with this deal in place that you can, you know, have a situation where the UFC wants a fighter to develop under your brand but still kind of be under contract? I don't want to, I hate the word minor league, but you get what I'm trying to say, like the farm system, if you will. Is that in play here as well? I think that, that there'll be tremendous opportunities on both sides. Um, if they need to play someone or we need to play someone, I think that opportunity is certainly out there. Um, this card in July, we stacked for, uh, for the Fight Pass card. We have, you know, like I told you, the main event. We have the co-main event of Kurt Hollibo, um, who's 14-2 and two on a five-fight win streak. Um, you know, his only loss short notice to Pat Healy and Steven Seiler in UFC fighting uh, Andre Harrison, a super prospect, 9-0, 2-0 under the Titan banner. Um, we have Brett Johns, the number one prospect out of the U.K. And our one, champion. And our champion at mm -hmm. 135, fighting uh, Anthony Gutierrez uh, from Tough. Um, it'll be the return of Jose Pele Landy on this card. He will be fighting on this card. Um, super prospect Phil Hawes will be on this card. Um, it's just loaded. Uh, Freddie Asuncao's brother, uh, Freddie Asuncao, will be on the card. Uh, Rafael Asuncao's brother, um, this, you know, who's 8-1 on a seven-fight win streak. This, this card's loaded, and he'll be fighting Cody Bollinger. Is, uh, and, and that's interesting as well. Is, is Jay-Z on the card, Jay-Z Cavalcante? Jay-Z will not be on this card. He'll be on the next card. Okay, and you mentioned Phil Haas. I'm very excited. I think a lot of the, uh, I guess, the MMA uh, nerds, if you will, the, the ones that follow things from uh, the beginning are very excited about him. Who's he yeah. fighting? You didn't mention his opponent. Do you know? Uh, I do know. I don't have it in front of me, actually. But everybody is super excited to see Phil Hawes in, in the cage, uh, especially under the Titan banner and definitely stepping up his competition. Yeah, I've watched Phil train with Vitor mm -hmm. uh, and some of the other Black Zillions, and he's a monster, man. Yeah. Really excited to see him make his debut for us. And uh, I think he's going to, you know, he's going to shock a lot of people and, and get a lot of attention. I think he's going to be, uh, you know, one of our big superstars. And eventually, I think he'll go on to be a superstar in the UFC. And you have no problem with that still, right? I mean, you have no problem grooming these guys? Zero. No. no. No, not at all. I mean, here's, 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 you know, here's the idea. Because of the way we've structured, and this was, you know, Jeff's idea, and I give him a lot of credit, uh, because of the way we've structured our, our contractual relationship with our clients, we're, or our athletes, we're willing 
to allow them go to the UFC. And what's that? What that has done for us is people are willing to come to us and fight because they know. Listen, we're no one's naive, right? Everybody wants to either be in the UFC or get back to the UFC. That's the reality. So if that's the case, you know, with the platform we provide now, with the relationship that we have and the contracts that we have set up, there there's a great opportunity for for really talented fighters to come in and display, you know, their, their their prowess. And then when the opportunity is right, they go on to the UFC. It keeps a, a tremendous stream of really high-level talent coming into Titan. And at the end of the day, it's our responsibility to build the brand, build the brand of our athletes. And the best way to do that is to put on great fights. And great talent equals great fights. And, and just to take that a step further, Ariel, if you watched last week The Ultimate Fighter, yeah. you had uh, Hader Hassan against Felipe Portella. And they had Titan all over that episode with their fight in Titan. They just fought on the last Titan card or a couple Titan cards ago, and Hassan knocked um, Felipe Portella out. It was all over the Ultimate Fighter show. We released for the Ultimate Fighter show, I don't know, five fighters? Yeah. It was, you know, we released over half a team. And that's, so, the great, that's the great thing is those were all great fighters. You know, Steve Montgomery, Hader Hassan, you know, a lot of guys that, that were on the, the current season. Felipe Portella, uh, Michael uh, Graves. Yeah, a lot of guys that are on the current season uh, of Tough were our athletes, and we released them to go. But here's the great thing. I've got twice as many great athletes banging on the door to get in because they see how we treat the, their athlete, our athletes and you know, allowing them to go and move forward and progress in their career. Um, so it's a win for everybody, man. Uh, Lex, let me ask you this. Uh, what does this mean for your broadcast team? Who's going to be calling the fights now? Yeah, you know, we're going to be announcing that very, very soon. I mean, I think that you're for sure going to see – um, for us, Sahabi continue to be a huge part of uh, our broadcast team. You know, we've had interchange. We've interchanged a few uh, of the uh, announcers over the past uh, period of time, and I think right now we're actually Jeff and I are sitting down to to map that out. And you know, we certainly uh, like the team that we put in place, and you know, I'm sure we'll be adding to it and, and making adjustments from time to time. But we've got a, we've got a strong team, and it's I think being anchored by Faraz Zahabi is great because he gives you a tremendous insight into into the, the the strategy and the fighter mindset, and, and allows fans to appreciate things at a different level. Yeah. And will the look of the product be different? I mean, it had a certain look on CBS. Now, does it change because it's on Fight Pass, Jeff? I think I think that there'll be definitely new components that are brought into the mix. Um, you know, we'll be uh, we'll be taking best practices, obviously, and you know, I think that they were they were you know one of the the main reasons why we we did this deal was they loved the product. So we're only going to enhance it, only going to keep going further, and and you know, using some of the best practices, I think uh, fans can look forward to enjoying an even better product. And earlier you said, hey, 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 go, sorry. No, I was going to say, listen, we've got a great team that's busted their ass, sure. put in, a, put out a great product for us. And, you know, this is really a, a, an accomplishment of the entire organization from, you know, our fight services group in the back, you know, uh, to our production team. And, you know, you know, we wouldn't have accomplished this without them. And so I think you're going to continue to see the same sort of product being put forward because we've got a great team in place. And earlier, Jeff said eight to ten events. So we're, we're, we're still banking on that for 2015 and beyond. That's what you guys are shooting for? Yeah, that's what the, the contract calls for. And, and, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to be able to, um, you know, consistently showcase the talent and keep our athletes busy. And uh, we're excited about the, the prospect of doing so. How many years is that contract for? Uh, you know, I can't really get into the details, Ariel. <laughs> you almost had me there. Everyone's but so no, it's, 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 it's a long-term deal. Okay. I think it, that, that will have uh, 
you know, Titan and, and the UFC and Fight Pass uh, in partnership uh, for for you know many years to come, and we're we're very very fortunate and happy about that. And by the way, does this preclude any other organizations who kind of fall under your category from signing? You know, because I'm kind of sensing that Fight Pass in a way is becoming the new HGNet fights. Like you know, they're they're broadcasting more than just Zufa events. However, does this deal, like, do you guys have a, an ex- exclusivity thing? You know, Invicta doesn't really compete. Shudo's a kind of different thing. You know, does this stop any other organization from signing with Fight Pass as well? You know, I'll, I'll let Marshall uh, field that question. I'm okay. sure, you know, you have him on pretty frequently. Uh, I'm sure he'll field it. But, you know, listen, they, they're, they're a growing business, and they're looking to, you know, add content. And I'm sure that they'll find, you know, the right opportunities to do so. But I do know that the partnership that we've forged with, uh, Dana and Marshall and, and the rest of the team over there is uh, incredibly strong and is going to do nothing but enhance uh, the Titan product. Well, fantastic news for you guys. The first event, as you mentioned, July 18th in my hometown. Who knows? Maybe I could come. That would be you fantastic. Yes, yeah, summer. Ariel, Montreal. you coming? <laughs> Summertime in Montreal, by the way, is uh, is is heaven. Is he- I don't know if you guys have ever been there. It's heaven on earth. Is it still taking place at the Verdun Auditorium? Yes, as of right now, yes. All right, fantastic. And you have Montreal's Mike Ricci on the card as well. That is great news. Congratulations. I have to ask you about this before I let you go because, uh, Lex, I saw you in Mexico. How is uh, Nate feeling? How's he doing physically? You know, listen, uh, Nate had a a tough week. He was fighting uh, a bit of uh, the altitude and Montezuma's uh, revenge, unfortunately. He had Uh some, some tummy issues and actually threw up right before the fight, right before he walked out. Um, which I don't think was actually an uncommon occurrence uh, on Saturday night. You know, there's a lot of people that were suffering from and Nate happened to be one of them. Uh, But no excuses. You know, he had a tough night uh, and and Gassman looked very good. Um, You know, Nate's disappointed with the loss for sure. Um, But the one thing I know about Nate, and and I've I've believed this since the day I met him, I think Nate is one of the great, great fighters in the UFC and he's definitely one of the best people in the UFC. Um, You know, I believe that there is an opportunity for him to continue to move forward um, if that's what he wants. And I, I believe that it is. And I, and I know that the UFC, I mean, Dana has, has said that, you know, it will be with them. Um, so, you know, I, I think his wife is due very soon uh, with, with their third child. So I think Nate's going to just spend some time with his family and enjoy them and, you know, come back and, and take a look at, at what's next. But, um, you know, as it stands, you know, Nate Marquardt is, uh, a UFC con- uh, fighter and will continue to be so uh, per Dana White. So he still wants to fight. He does. Okay. He does. You know, and, and uh, he's, you know, he definitely has the the passion. And uh, you know, we'll sit down as a, a team and we'll talk about it and figure out what he really you know wants to do. But as of my last conversation with him, you know, he he is uh, proud to be a UFC fighter, and he's you know, looking forward to getting back in there but you know i think he's more and spending time with his family and, and and enjoying the birth of their new their new child okay jeff final question to you any other signings any other news you want to break on the program the floor is yours no you know the the magic has been having guys getting guys teed up for what's going on um you know, I think the next fight right after this, we'll definitely see uh, Rick Horn fighting Jay-Z Calcante, which will be a really exciting fight. Um, and we'll have a bunch of stuff coming out over the next couple of weeks, and um, I'll for sure hit you up. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on this show to break that exciting news. I uh, congratulate you on the news. 
If I'm not there, I will be tuning in July 18th from uh, the greatest city in the world, Montreal, the Titan FC debut on UFC Fight Pass. That is awesome stuff, guys. Thank you very much for the time, and again, congratulations. Thanks, Ariel. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you, man. There they are. Lex McMahon, Jeff Aronson, COO, CEO, respectively, of Titan FC. Some great news for them. And once again, as uh, Marshall Zlaznik said very recently on this program, uh, the the library, but most importantly, the live events, it continues to grow on UFC Fight Pass. They're adding more, and I like the fact that they're they're going outside the box. They're, they're thinking outside the box. It's not just Zufa stuff, Invicta now, Shooto Brazil, and uh, next up is uh, Titan FC on the roster. And also, International Fight Week, they'll be airing the uh, International MMA Federation events that will be taking place in Las Vegas. So... Uh, the, the Fight Pass platform continues to grow, and the latest example of Titan FC. Congratulations to those fine gentlemen. All right. Another late one. Last week, Mr. New York Rick, are you there? I'm here. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, last week, That's okay. people were upset that uh, we cut short the questions. In particular, one fan, one super fan, right? Um, how do you pronounce this gentleman's name? Devin Sawa? Yeah. So it has come to my attention that Devin is actually a real celebrity fan. He is indeed. He loves the show. Yeah, yeah, but that's not the celebrity part of it. The celebrity part is the fact that he's Stan in uh, the MMA video. Uh, MMA, M&M video. This is true. He's the Stan character. This is true. But then even more exciting... I learned that he had a a makeout scene with the legendary Jessica Alba. Is that true? In a in a in a previous film? That is also true. Idle Hands. Idle Hands. I've never heard of this film. A uh, horror movie from I want to say early two thousands ninety nine. So that's old school. Yeah. Hmm. Good stuff. Final Destination. That's my. That's one of my favorites. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, let's let's. Give the people what they want. Let's give the people. Well, we have to give a shout out to Devin. For sure. Uh, celebrity I fan. I don't know. Do we want to? You know what? I mean, no. He specifically asked. Um, I missed the question. Then I saw it on Saturday night. I believe it was the great Andrew Mayer who brought it to our attention. It was. He also brought it to our attention. Forrest Gump of MMA, Andrew Mayer. Um, he, uh, he also brought it to our attention that the, the whole Jessica Alba thing, which I did not know, which obviously makes me see Mr. Devin in a whole new light. So <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate his, uh, his support and his fandom. And now, without further ado, let's go to the questions. Let's answer some questions. There's a lot to discuss. UFC 188, I don't know if you heard, but Fabricio Vicavallo Verdum is the new undisputed heavyweight champion of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. It's a lot of champions in there. I don't love when they say world. You know, it just seems a little bit, I mean, let's be honest, it is the world, but I try to avoid that. For what reason? It does seem like the world. Yeah, I don't know. Unlike uh, U.S. sports that, can, that say the world when it's not actually the world, this actually seems to be the world. Fair enough. Um, okay. Altitude. How much of Kane's performance on Saturday would you attribute to the effects of the altitude? Are you surprised, seeing how much he struggled with it, that he was so hesitant to go out to Mexico to train before the fight? What do you think the reason is that he was so hesitant to go early? Perhaps overconfidence in his own cardio. Sorry, I'm just drinking my NOS Energy, by the way. At NOS Energy. Hashtag with this NOS I will. Um... You know, that's only a question that I think he can answer. But I will say this. Javier Mendez, who was on the show last week, as you heard, 
wanted him to come earlier. And when I spoke to him via text yesterday, he took this one on the chin. He said, look, it was my fault. At the end of the day, I should have pushed for him to come out earlier. That's, that's I mean, it's clear that that wasn't the same Cain Velasquez that we've seen before. Daniel Cormier, as I said earlier, told me, I don't want him to fight in Mexico ever again. We'll see if that actually, you know, comes to fruition. But I will say this. While it is clear that he was not the same fighter, that he gassed, that he was not himself, Daniel also brought up a great point about how if you look at Kane's fights, he never goes for those kinds of takedowns. He's always, go- always going for the single leg. I mean, he was completely spent and eventually was caught, you know, with the guillotine. I feel like this narrative, this discussion, really takes something away from Fabrizio Verdum. It wasn't just that Kane gassed. It wasn't just that the altitude got to him. Verdum left his own family 40 days earlier. He did the same prior to 180. He did what it what, what was needed to do to become a UFC champion. And as we have heard time and again, half the battle is what happens before the fight. He prepared himself. And I think that's why Kane can't really use this as an excuse. He can't, you know, we can't take anything away from Verdum. He recognized, and Kane knew this, he recognized that he needed to be there early. And he did. And then look what happened in the fight. He, he, he weathered a very early storm. And then, man, that clinch, that was reminiscent of... Anderson Silva and Rich Franklin. And then, of course, the submission. It was an unbelievable performance and uh, one that I I, I want to give all the credit to Verdun because he did everything that Kane didn't do. Um, Yeah, that's well said. I mean, no fight's ever going to exist in a vacuum. Uh, There's always going to be factors coming into the fight. And for this one, Kane's long layoff was a factor. Uh, The altitude, not preparing properly for it, was a factor. Um, So if we're just going to discount, you know, the, the results of every fight based on whatever we whatever factors we feel are important uh then you know what what is any win worth uh so it's a disservice to fabricio verdum to to make excuses and kane velasquez would be the last one to make one of those like we we can't ignore why he looked that way but i hate focusing on it too much i think it's 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 very interesting to note that one guy came early and one guy didn't yeah and i i honestly think the the layoff is more of a factor but you know that's debatable and i don't think there's any right answer it doesn't really matter all right uh who should be next for verdum does yes. kane deserve an immediate title shot or should it go to someone on an impressive streak like arlovsky well this is the million dollar million dollar million mil- this is what happens this is what happens in the third hour how much is this question a million a million um a trillion dollar question how about that it's tough because I agree with Mark Ramundi. Obviously, the JDS fight, there's a great backstory there. It's, uh, it's a fascinating matchup. We want to see how much Verdum has improved, blah, 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 blah. But I don't want to see him wait till December. Do you? No. And also, let's not forget, the guy of these top contenders, I'm talking JDS, I'm talking Kane. I'll put him still in that mix. By the way, Verdum told me after the fight, that he wants to give Kane the immediate rematch in Vegas. I love when guys do that. It's kind of funny that he would suggest Vegas, though, because why not try to take advantage of the altitude thing again? Anyway, he suggests... Did you see me do the cage-side interview with Verdum? It's really exciting. Did you see that? Yeah. You didn't see it. I saw it. You didn't see it. I saw it. Um, what about my FX spot when I was with the fans? I also saw that. I, I don't believe you. No, I, I, I did I kind of believe the, the, the FX thing, not the post-fight thing. Oh, well. Anyway, um, of all these guys... Kane, JDS, Miocic, Ben Rothwell. I'm pretty sure that Arlovsky has the longest winning streak. Rothwell might be challenging him on that one. 
But you know what I mean? Arlovsky actually has the longest one. JDS is on a one-fight winning streak. Miocic is on a one-fight winning streak. So shouldn't they go to Arlovsky? I know that doesn't really matter because Gustafson's getting a tail shot off a loss. But I still kind of feel like Arlovsky... Is the longest streak the factor, though? How about this? Well, let's go to our next question. Okay. Which is folded into this. Uh, no, no. This one. Uh, does JDS now have more of a stake in the title contendership than Miocic and Arlovsky? Uh, he's beaten both Miocic and Verdun. Doesn't that kind of uh, come into play? More than more than a win streak. What do you think? What what's the kind okay, of well, and by the weight way, just that you confirm, give to that? That's five in a row now for Arlovsky. Three in the UFC, two prior outside of the UFC, including one in WSOF. So that is the longest one. Um, yes, one hundred. If JDS was healthy, I would go with that. And and honestly, it is in six months. And uh, who the hell knows what they're going to do between? I mean, there's there's a show in October in Houston, then Melbourne, and then uh, you have the December show. I mean, who knows? But uh, if he was healthy, I would go with that. Because he's not, I kind of feel like they need to look at either Stipe or Arlovsky. And if I had to choose between those two, I kind honestly, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I kind of side with Stipe only because he's the one who's actually going out there and campaigning for it. Like, he is really going out of his comfort zone to campaign for this. And I think there's something to be said for that. But if I'm looking at merit, I go with Arlovsky. Okay. What do you say? Uh, I like JDS, but... It is a long time to wait, but I think that that's the fight. Uh, did Fabricio Verdum cement a place in the future UFC Hall of Fame and one of the greatest? And did he become one of the greatest heavyweights of all time on Saturday? He has finished Mark Hunt, Fedor Emelianenko, Alistair Overeem, uh, Big Nog, Cain Velasquez, and beaten a lot of others, and is now the world champ of the UFC. Uh, it's hard to argue with that resume. I agree. So you're saying he's the best. Well, I don't know if he's the best, but I. Well, what are you agreeing with that? I agree that there's a definite case to be made. Like, okay. Before Saturday, who was talking about Verdun being the best? This time last year, who was talking about Verdun being the best? Now, if you tell me that you believe Fabrizio Verdun is the greatest heavyweight of all time, I can't argue. I don't know if I could go out and say it because who am I to say who's the best? But I I, I think that there's a a definite case to be made. When I asked Dana White this question, he thought I was crazy. Well, if if beforehand it's crazy, you had to anticipate that there was a possibility he'd beat Cain Velasquez. So it can't go from crazy to now it's justifiable. This, this time last year, I wasn't certain. I mean, obviously, I, 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 I thought of it, you know, this time last week. We, I think we were talking about this a little bit. But I'm just saying, when, when for, again, when Verdum fought Emelianenko in 2010, do you remember the, the talk going into that fight? It's like, yeah, this is just kind of a cupcake fight for Emelianenko. Anyone sure. who says otherwise is, is forgetting what, you know, what we thought of of Verdum going to that fight. Remember, he had that kind of lackluster fight against Bigfoot Silva, and prior to that, he had the Mike Kyle fight. You know, it was just Mike Kyle. That that was it. Those were two fights that he had after getting cut from the UFC. So he wasn't the Verdum that we see now. But then, you know, of course he had the Overeem thing, which was just a bizarre performance. But then he goes into the UFC, and all of a sudden he starts knocking off guys like Nelson and Big Nog and Travis Ryan. Now we start to think like, ooh, he's really putting it together. But prior to that, he was not in that discussion at all. Not even close. Sure, but I think before Saturday. Yeah, before Saturday, I thought of it. Of course, I I I, I said it in the preview show. I said if he, I asked, I asked uh, Dave Doyle that question, would he be considered the best? And uh, I think he, uh, if memory serves me correct, he agreed. And now, I mean, yeah, there's a definite case to be made. Again, I don't know if I could like be the one to say that, but I think that if anyone go, I mean, just look at the resume. 
His yeah. only losses right now, so now he's uh, 25 and 1, right? 25 losses and 1. Losses were to Overeem, JDS, of course, as we mentioned, the Arlovsky fight at UFC 70, a unanimous decision, um, a uh, big nog loss, unanimous decision, and uh, early in his career, Sergei Haritanov, a split decision. So only one actual finish. The rest decisions and, you know, the wins as of late definitely outweigh those losses. Yeah. To me, the big story, you know, we can, that's kind of like a barbershop argument. The big story is that this guy, I mean, how often does it happen where a guy gets cut from the UFC, leaves the organization, and works his way all the way back? I mean, that's, that's an unbelievable thing, especially, especially at 37 years old. He's turning 38 next month. I think heavyweights have a longer shelf life. But also, um, it doesn't happen. What you just said does not happen. This is, this is a very rare case. But also, comes back to be what many consider. You know, there's, there's still people who will consider Fedor the best, but many considered before this point... Cain Velasquez to be the best, to, to be the greatest heavyweight of yeah. all time, myself included. So um, it's it's one hell of a story for, for Verdum. And I just love his personality. He's just a fun guy to be around, and he's really come out of his shell, especially since, you know, he speaks English now. He's just, man, his his uh, celebration videos are hilarious. His face, that face that he makes, the, what is that? Like, I can't even do it. I don't even, is it that? No. <laughs> Is that it? Somebody please screenshot that. It's unbelievable. Uh, Vai Cavallo is a character. I like characters. It's fun. Uh, the UFC currently has four champions that came from the acquisition of Strikeforce, Verdum, Cormier, Lawler, and Rousey, and uh, number one contender in Rockhold. Did you see this kind of impact when Strikeforce was absorbed by the UFC? 100%. Let's not forget who broke that news, my friends. I was there. I was there on the front lines. I, I used to talk about on this show prior to the New York Rick era, you know, let's not forget, this show existed prior to your introduction to it. Are you it. sure? Yes. Um, in fact, wait a second. Where's that thing? This, this actually, this show might be our six-year anniversary show. Get out of here. Let me see. How can I find this out? It's like, it's so hard to find anything about this show, episode one, because it wasn't called the MMA Hour. I, I really don't think it existed before I came on. Let me see. Let me see. It was definitely June of 2009, but I, I'm pretty sure. No. Damn it. Can someone find it for me? The exact date, because, you know, my friends over at Cage Hero, they gave me that sign, which, of course, someone either stole or it broke. Who no, knows? I think, it's still, I think we still got that one. People probably go to the washroom on it. I mean, <laughs> the lack of respect. But anyway, it, it's probably right now, so I want to wish everyone a happy anniversary. Um, did you see it coming? Come on. Yes. Uh, yes, I did. I used to talk about how the champions of Strikeforce could match up very well with the champions of the UFC, which is something I've said isn't the case with Bellator these days. Um, and they have some time. Let's, let's give them that. But yeah, absolutely. Now, 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 now. Did I foresee Verdum and, and, and Robbie Lawler? No. And by the way... Wait, wait, wait. Are you about to say you foresaw Cormier? Well, I mean, it was, it was, ob I mean, it was, yes. it was obvious. Yes, after I said it for, for many, many It wasn't years. a crazy thought, but if you would have told me Robbie Lawler, who was losing to Lorenz Larkin, was going to be a UFC champion, or Fabrizio Verdum, who you know, was just... I feel like by the time Verdum was coming out of Strikeforce, we could see that he was... Okay, well, that time, but was, not when he was starting his Strikeforce run. No, no, no. But what, this is the acquisition of Strikeforce. Okay, well, I just want to say one thing. It's a little weird to include Ronda. People forget this. And how many times do I have to, to repeat it? Ronda was not a old strike force acquisition. Sean Shelby signed Ronda Rousey. So to me, she's a Zufa fighter. She's always been a Zufa fighter. I know it was in that promotion, 
But there's a bit of an asterisk there, if you get what I'm saying. And also, Lawler and Verdum, you know, fought in the UFC before. Sure. Um, going to strike force. So, I mean, it's it's murky, you know, what you consider a, a quote-unquote strike force fighter. Um, but certainly, you know, they did stints there. And Jacare is another one. Gilbert Melendez, who still looks incredible. Um, so, yeah, the, the top talent at strike force has definitely proven uh, that, that they can hang. And if, you know, if anybody was unclear about that at this point. Vicky here tells me June 17, 2009. That sounds familiar. Um, and I Two also- more days, right? Something like that. Yeah, but this is the anniversary week. Also, who would have thought this time last year, just for the record, that some of the UFC champions would be this time last year, right? Robbie Lawler, Rafael Dos Anjos, Fabrizio Verdum, Daniel Cormier as a light heavyweight. It's a crazy time in the UFC. TJ Dillashaw, I know he just won around this time last year, but wow, things have changed. Our next question, how did you guys score Melendez versus Alvarez? And by the way, Ariel, the Nate Diaz interview at UFC 188 was gold. Well, thank you. I love uh, interviewing Nate Diaz. I've already weighed in on this. I thought he stole it in the second round, two rounds to one. What do you think? I had it the same way. I I thought second and third uh, went to Alvarez and first clearly went to uh, Melendez. So I think a lot of people were in agreement there, but I, I don't think that there's not you know, anybody who says Gilbert won that fight, I think there's a case to be made, but I scored it for Alvarez. Uh, Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis. After watching Saturday's ni- Saturday night's interview with Nate, both guys appear to want the fight, and it would be a fun match. Yes. Why is this fight not being announced today? Well, I mean, let's relax. Well, maybe if you say it on the show, then... Well, I don't know if you saw my interview with Anthony Pettis. By the way, they, they did a great job of bringing these big-name fighters on Saturday. Excuse me, on Thursday, we did uh, 14 interviews. It was very exciting. Um, Pettis has a, a big thing on his elbow. He had elbow surgery, and he's going to be out until the end of this year as well. So it would be a little strange. Yeah. But as Nate Diaz told me, all of a sudden he's got some uh, some options here, some big names. Now, do they actually come to fruition? Can they get him to agree to take these fights? Can they get past their problems? Who knows? But, I mean, Pettis, Diaz, sign me up. Alvarez, Diaz, sign me up. Um Diaz, anybody? Diaz, sign me up. I mean, the guy, you talk about moving the needle. That's where that term originated. How could that that have ever been a thing that he doesn't move the needle? But, you know, it it actually originated with him, remember? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. How could he be the guy that you would say that about? Of all people. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, I'd watch Nate fight anybody. And Nick, for that matter, but this is about Nate. Are you surprised by Dana being so reluctant to give Kelvin another chance at making welterweight? Do you agree with his, his decision, and do you expect he will stick to it? If Kelvin remains at middleweight, who would make sense for him next after his dominant victory? Well, Kelvin seems confident that he'll convince him eventually. I was a little surprised by how emphatic he was initially. But then, you know, I actually think Dana deserves some credit here. You know, people are always quick to judge the UFC. They're like, oh, they give this guy a short-notice fight. They don't care about the fight as this. This is him actually saying, I don't think it's healthy for this guy to fight at 170. I mean, why would he care? If, if, if it wasn't a health issue, why would he care if he fights at 170 or 185? Clearly, he can hang in the 170-pound division. So it's not like he's trying to stop him from growing as a fighter. He's actually going out there and saying, look, it's for his own good, and anyone who cares about this man should tell him the same. So, I mean, I think he should actually be commended for that. <sighs> I do think Kelvin Gastelum will convince him eventually to go down to 170, but uh, I have no problem with him doing it's it. Also, it's also in Dana's best interest, though, for him not to miss weight, to continue to miss weight every single time. Of course, I mean, he's time. a businessman. Um, you, 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 don't want, you don't want Kelvin Gastelum to show up to his next fight 10 pounds over on the verge of death 
you know, like having to go to the hospital. Who the hell wants that on their No, on their certainly hands? not. Certainly not. Well, I, I mean, it's a combination of things. I think he um, has to look out for his own interest. But, I mean, I do believe when he says, I don't want this guy to get sure. hurt, sick before of course, the fight. He's, he's also a blue chip prospect. Let, you yeah. know, let's not kill this guy. Um, but I think, you know, just like with uh, Cejudo, I think he's going to end up back at the lower weight class. I agree. I, I thought they would do the same thing. I thought they would say, okay, one win, you could go back down. Same thing with Cejudo, right? But uh, apparently, he's got to do I mean, more. Lineker's sticking at 135, right? Well, he hasn't had that fight yet. But we assume. Mm, I, I could see the same thing happening here where so he then, tries. So then, yeah, I mean, what does it really mean at this point? We have to, the proof's in the pudding, we'll kind of see. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of And, uh, and Dana seems right to believe that he had a little trouble making 185, and I mean, he wasn't cut at 185. Obviously, he should be a 170. Well, he looked at a hell of a lot healthier. That's he for damn sure. Yeah. Um, with the amount of gassing out being way too high, should the UFC stop going to high-altitude uh, venues and, and uh, places? Dana White alluded to how hard it was for fighters to perform, seven fighters puking after their fights. Without the high-altitude, fighters perhaps could have had a better performance, notably the main event. Do you think the UFC should avoid high-altitude venues, especially when title fights are involved? Oh, Hell no. Are you crazy? Did you see that crowd? Did you see that that arena? 21,000 plus people. I was in Montreal. I was in the half-empty arena. They broke their gate, said in November, they're going back to Mexico. They're going. I mean, we know that they're going to Monterey um, in November, but they're definitely going back to Mexico City. I mean, they've been waiting a long time to do that one, and uh, I mean, that's just something you have... They'll go to Denver. It's not the same kind of market, but they're not gonna, they're not gonna let the altitude ultimately sway them from not going there. Hell no! It's a great market for them. They're really into MMA. Those fans love MMA, and they're very knowledgeable too. It's very surprising. I shouldn't say surprising, but like, they even know who I am. And they, and, and like when I go to Brazil, you know, it's not the same. It's not the same from, you know, when I'm in the U.S. But they're very. They eat this stuff up. In light of recent uh, oh, yes. missed tests for Jose Aldo, does this imply Aldo may have had something to hide? What are your thoughts on the whole saga? Oh, man. I feel weird about this one. Let's recap it very briefly here. Uh, Nevada Athletic Commission showed up for an unannounced test last week. Um, then uh, he, 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 he peed in the cup, Aldo did. But then the Brazil Commission, which there are a ton of questions about, and these have been discussed at length in the past by great journalists like our own Guilherme Cruz, they kind of stepped in and said that this man, this, uh, this uh, sample collector, didn't have the proper paperwork to be working in Brazil. And so they discarded the urine sample. And then he took one the next day. But, you know, that's not really an unannounced test anymore. You know, if I'm Jose Aldo, what I would have done was, hey, look, this man doesn't have the proper paperwork. Fine. Whatever the hell that means. But I'm going to pee in this cup. Clearly, he works for Nevada Athletic Commission. Who knows why they dropped the ball there? And I'm going to prove the world. Do whatever the hell you want with it. Go test me. I'll prove to you that I'm clean. But the fact that they discarded it leads to a whole bunch of questions. I didn't like that at all. And, and hopefully these kinds of things don't happen once the USADA deal kicks in. But to me, that was not a good moment for Aldo and his camp. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, there's I mean, nothing, that was there's nothing really to say there. Everybody kind of has a bad feeling about that, for sure. What the hell is that? Yeah. That was bad. I mean, all you had to say was, look, you might not have your paperwork. That's fine. We'll address that. We'll clean that up. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to Nevada. But, okay, you clearly are a guy who's brought here from Nevada. Okay, let's just do it. Show the world that I'm clean, and then we'll deal with this situation. 
they discarded it? What is that? No good. And by uh, the way, by the way, speaking of no good, no pre-flight testing in Mexico? Come on. Especially in a place where altitude is at, is at play. You know, that, that could lead to EPO usage, you know, to, 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 to improve cardio. What I was told was only fight night testing. Europe, urine testing, not even blood testing, fight night. So that's a little disappointing, and, and hopefully that changes as well. First question from Twitter. If Kane never reclaims heavyweight gold, should Cormier entertain the idea of fighting again at heavyweight? What do you think? <laughs> I, to be honest, I, I, you know, my, my, my opinion on Daniel Cormier's belt uh, have been made very clear on this show. I think if he can go up to heavyweight, win that belt, while simultaneously holding the UFC's light heavyweight belt, um, he, could, he can start to make claim to being the baddest dude on the planet. Um, even with John Jones, you know, st- still in the mix. Um, I think that w- is what it would take for me to kind of be like, well, now, now we've got a conversation here. What about this curveball? Houston, Texas, four hours or so from Lafayette, Louisiana, where he grew up. Daniel Cormier fights Alexander Gustafson, first fight of the night, and then he fights for Doom in the main event. I think Old school. I think he'd win, too. You think he wins both? <laughs> Cormier's a bad boy. <laughs> He's I, a tough I, I think That would be something. Um, ultimately, I don't think he stands in the way of Kane. I think he expects Kane to have to fight one more fight, you know, one fight, you know, as non-champion and then get right back in there. That, I don't that, think he stands in his way. That's what's so great about heavyweight, though, is that yeah. Kane's, like, two fights away. Yeah. Uh, every and, every heavyweight he is two fights away. As he should be. I'm curious to see how quickly he returns. I think that's really interesting. Shouldn't more corner stop fights like uh, oh. Marquardt's did Saturday night, and Nate the Great has to be done now, right? Okay. I, I love these questions today. They're all uh, the, the topics that I wanted to address Well, here. I mean, they've been curated by, sure. by a fine hand. Very well done. Uh, Trevor Whitman deserves... An immense amount of credit. You know, we, we come on these shows, we talk, we complain, we bellyache when things like the Mark Hunt situation happens. And then we don't give enough credit to people like Trevor Whitman when he steps in there and says, no mas. Now, the way I saw it, and I know you were watching on television, the way I yeah. saw it was Nate first said, I'm done. And then Trevor was like, all right, we're done, we're done, we're done. I, I what did you see? I didn't hear him say, I'm done. Okay. Uh, I did see him be very non-responsive. It reminded yeah. me a little bit of BJ on the stool um, where they're trying to talk to him and he's just in his own world, not saying anything, kind of just not there for the fight. Um, so, you know, all credit due to Trevor Whitman. He he pulled the plug real quick and made it clear that uh, this is not going to continue. So uh, kudos. And I saw Trevor at the hotel, and he was with his other coach, whose name escapes me right now, and I apologize for that. And they told me, get this, they told me that they tried to stop the fight in the middle of the fight, in the middle of that round. And the corner people were telling them to sit down because they were blocking the people's view. They were getting up on the the like the the catwalk, the apron, the yeah, apron. whatever you want to call it. And they were trying. They didn't have a towel or anything with them. They were trying to get the ref's attention, and they were being yelled at to sit down. Can you imagine that the commission people, whoever they were, were actually telling the corner people to sit down because they were blocking the view? They were trying to save their fighter. They were trying to help him out. Well, that's a problem. That's that's a big problem. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, because so they told me. So uh, so throwing in the towel is is a figurative thing now you don't actually have a towel so what's the system in place to to call the fight off from a corner in, in the middle of the fight there there needs to be a, a correction made there um because that would have been a, a case where they should have stopped it and it seems like they were trying to so uh that's an interesting thing and, and needs to be addressed crazy i was shocked 
I, but, I, but, I honestly can't believe that that's true. Yeah, and, and uh, I do believe because he told me. But no, I, that's yes, not yes, what yes. I meant. Yes, I know, I know. But I, I will also add that he deserves even more credit. I mean, this is a guy who saw in the middle of that fight that Mark Hart was in trouble. And if you're asking me, given recent performances, and you know, you know I'm not, I'm not going to go campaign for this, but if you're asking me, do I want to see Nate fight again? No. Uh, the flyweight champion uh, DJ wants to fight anyone. Who should be the next? Is it, is uh, it, it Cejudo? It, it has is to it? be Dotson. It has to be Dotson. Uh, Cejudo, his team, everyone will tell you this win and the way he won was a blessing in disguise because now it slows down the talk. It wasn't time. It would be rushing it. He needs to get more popular, more refined, more experience. The guy gets it. He's a tremendous, a tremendous talent. He's obviously an Olympic gold medalist. He's got a great personality, a great interview. He gets the showman part of it all. He, he comes out to the Olympic music. He comes out in that great Aztec gear. And the guy gets it. And the flyweight division needs him. But this is not the time for him. And he admits that. Go with the Dotson fight. Strike while it's hot. No one cares about the last fight. At the end of the day, he won. We've seen worse things happen. That's the fight to make. I agree. Dotson. Uh, last two real quick. Ariel, would you give LeBron the MVP even if Golden State wins? Oh, snap. Um, no, because at the end of the day, you need to win the damn thing. All right, we're not here for second it's place. It's not unprecedented. It's not, but I feel like LeBron, who, by the way, has become very vocal about his greatness. Yesterday, saying that he is the greatest player in the world, and that's why you know he's confident going into Game Six, which is fine. But he never, he always kind of beat around the bush there. I like it. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him, but I think he's the kind of guy who would say, "Come on, I'm not going to get MVP. My team lost ultimately." It should go to the winning team. And by the way, I like to, to throw my name in the hat for Iggy. I think Iggy's defense Yikes. has been a, a big factor. You disagree? Not, not when you're bricking those free throws like he's doing. Whatever. You can't. I think, you can't. I think, uh, I think, you know, we have to consider the source here, and you're getting ready to lick your wounds. But, you know. <laughs> uh, I, w- I would give it to. Uh, Steph? Probably. Uh, no, not really. I mean, yeah. there's, there's almost nobody on Golden State who deserves it after these four games, uh, five games. But. So somebody will will shine out. Iggy, uh, what was your favorite moment? Oh, from our friend uh, Andrew Mayer. Ah. But you know what? He needs to go back to the Forrest Gump of MMA you as a Twitter handle. I actually told him to get rid of it. Bad move. Really, you don't like it's Mayer? the branding. You're the one who was yeah, who was talk, uh, shouting funny. it out and hyping it up, and then you tell him to go. Bad move. Okay, Ariel, what was your favorite moment of the entire UFC weekend? Gosh. Not the actual pay per view. Uh, but any before or after moments? Well, Forrest Gump of MMA, Andrew Mayer, this guy has become synonymous with MMA events. He was actually in Mexico. I don't know how he finds the time or the money to travel <laughs> to all these events, but he was there front and center. Um, he's actually become a very important part of Team AKA. I would say that oh, there's so many that come to mind. It was great to be there. Um, I, re- I really enjoy my time over there. Look at his Twitter, at M-A-Y-E-R of Andrew. That's his Twitter handle. I shot a picture for him. I took a picture Saturday night after the fight of him in the scrap pack. It's a legendary photo. He's in the middle, big grin on his face, got Gilbert Melendez, Jake Shields, Nate Diaz. The only one that was missing was Nick, of course, but this is legendary. This is blow up, put it on your, your office wall, whatever. That, to me, was the highlight of this trip. That's your moment? That's my moment. To, to, to be the one, a picture? To be the one who took that picture was a real honor for me. Other ones that come to mind, uh, it was cool with the people, that little spot on FX. Yeah, you know, being on TV. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Oh, the Octagon side. I mean, doing those interviews was super cool for Fox Sports Live. Uh, Thursday, we got some great stuff. What else? I feel like I'm missing something. Um, It's a little annoying to brush your teeth with bottled water. I will admit that. I also shower with bottled water, so I just go on my head. Yeah. That's a little annoying. Um, I didn't go to Lucha Libre. Some of the other guys went. 
The food is good. Had some nice uh, tacos and whatnot. It's it's a good time. I I I highly recommend it. I feel like I'm missing something, but yeah, it's a good time. That's it. We we packed a lot in here. I, I did. Pack I think a lot. I think Devin will be pleased. Devin, on this one. Much love. Tell us more about the Jessica Alba thing. Uh, a few more things before we go. Uh, New York is coming down to the wire, my friends, uh, by tomorrow. We'll know if it's going down in 2015. That's when the calendar session ends. So, I mean, it's got to happen. If, if MSG is going down, it's got to happen in the next 24 hours or so. Please, New York, listen up. We need MMA here. Stop with this nonsense. MSG, Rockhold Weidman, let's get it done. All right? 24 hours. Let's see. Uh, we didn't talk about him a lot, but Yair Rodriguez, congratulations to him on a fantastic performance. Also, uh, Izzy Style, Izzy Martinez, his wrestling coach, very high on him. And uh, he was the one telling me that this is, this is a real star in the making. The guy had less than $400 to his name. $400 to his name going into that fight. He walks away. He walks away with a $50,000 bonus. Could you imagine? Unbelievable. Uh, also, big props to Efrain Escudero for his big win. Those two uh, submissions, Patrick Williams and Escudero back-to-back in less than a minute. That was a lot of fun. Uh, UFC announcing that they are going to Saskatchewan, August 23rd, a Sunday show, Fox Sports 1. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, first UFC event for them. They, uh, they've been waiting a long time for it over there. It's popular over there. And the main event, as announced by the UFC, uh, actually our good friend Dave Debert announced it first. It's uh, Max Holloway versus Charles Oliveira. Saskatoon, August 23rd. And uh, I wanted to just mention quickly one other thing. You know, Kahal Pendred, I know he got a lot of heat. Respect the fact that he really was very honest about his performance, all, almost in tears, to be honest, when we spoke to him afterwards. Uh, very honest about, you know, this is not the kind of performance that he wanted. Yes, he's 4-0, but received a lot of heat. And, and, and you have to feel for a guy who left, you know, 40 days or so, six weeks early, and, and, and tells us on Twitter that, you know, he essentially broke even. That's the big thing about going early. You're, you're essentially breaking even. You're not making – it's expensive to do that and fly out training partners. And then, it, you know, you get the win, but you get booed and a lot of criticism. And people are really mean online. People suck sometimes. They could be great. They could be amazing. They could be uplifting. Uh, there's nothing better than getting positive feedback online, but they can also suck. And I guess the key is – not getting too high, not getting too low, right? Anyhow, I just wanted to shout him out. Congratulations on his win. Uh, thank you very much to Nos, Nos Energy. Check him out on Twitter, at Nos Energy. Appreciate the support as always. And uh, that's it. We're done. You can hit my music. Another jam-packed show. Ten. Ten guests this time. So... Another busy weekend coming up in the world of mixed martial arts. <clears throat> As we've talked about all show long, Bellator is back on Friday. Bellator 138, Kimbo versus Shamrock. And uh, we ran out of time. I didn't do Inside the Vault. It was going to be my post-fight interview with Jared Shaw, Scala. We'll save that one for a different day. Maybe next week. Who knows? October 4th, 2008. That was a classic. Anyway, Bellator is back. Check it out on Friday. 1FC is also back on Friday. And then UFC Berlin. Yeah, Jacek versus Penne. Strawweight title. Looking forward to that. A Saturday afternoon show here in the United States. I want to thank everyone who stopped by today. I want to thank everyone who tuned in. Thank you very much to the great Mark Ramundi. 
turned his back on New York, now living large in Los Angeles. Thank you very much to Alistair Overing for staying up. Appreciate his time. Thank you very much to Scott Coker. Go Warriors. Thank you very much to Jessica Aguilar. Congratulations on signing with UFC. Good luck to her. Thank you very much to Noad Lahat. Appreciate his time. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you very much to Leona Machida. Good luck to him on June 27th. Again, thank you very much to Joanna Yaunjecek. Good luck to her on Saturday. Really appreciate Eddie Alvarez's time, and congratulations to him on picking up his very first win inside the Octagon. And again, congratulations to both Lex McMahon, Jeff Aronson, and the rest of the Titan team on their new deal with UFC Fight Pass. Back next week, same time and place. Appreciate your time as always. If you missed anything, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Until next week, I say peace. Somebody. Oh,